All right, Heather. A through Z. Um, A through Z. Let's go with G. G. G, G, G. Good golly, Miss Molly G. Um, um, man, I ain't got shit for no G's. I was trying to make it a challenge. What about like M? I don't don't have shit for most letters. Um, (laughs) N for news, maybe? You have news? I don't have news. I don't have M for movie news. I don't have G for garbage news. I don't have shit. (laughs) I can't. Okay. I came into this episode vastly underprepared. Mm, okay. Understood. I'm trying to think that if I knew anything or did anything significant happen. Wasn't there a death? Wasn't didn't somebody uh Ray Stevenson died. Ray Stevenson. I heard about that. Um he was Tumish, uh, he was Punisher in Punisher Warzone. He was in the Marvel mo- uh, Thor movies. He's one of the mm-hmm. Warriors Three. Um, yeah, he passed away. Uh, Dolly Parton released or is releasing or has released a rock and roll album. Because hmm. uh, she got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she, she originally turned them down because she was like, I, "I'm not a rock and roll artist. I don't have anything." And they were like, well, we're putting you in anyway. So she's like, fine, I guess I'll record a rock and roll album now. (laughs) So she did. I'll support it. It's Dolly. Uh, Gotta do it. Oh, I guess for G, uh, I could bring up the fact that Ghost released uh, an EP recently. It's it's got a a cover of Jesus Knows Me uh, by the band Genesis. Okay. Um which is a really interesting song. Uh, that's really all I got. There hasn't, there wasn't really much movie news. Uh, Oh, Deadpool three starts filming this week. Okay. Uh, yeah. Deadpool three films this week. Uh, what else? Ted Lasso has two episodes left. Um, yep. Oh, something else about the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Apparently, Missy Elliott was the first female rapper to be inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's yeah, tight. That's pretty cool. I like Missy Elliott a lot. Uh, I mean, in other news, I was financially irresponsible with my last paycheck and about a new watch. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was for the most part financially responsible, but this watch I've had my eye on for quite a while went on sale yesterday and I bought it because I had to. Well, hey, at least you got it on sale. You got to do it. You cut a little bit of the cost. I mean, it's not crazy, 
because I mean, this watch was only two fifty uh, before being on sale. You know, so it wasn't even a crazy expensive watch as far as watches go. You know, I've got definitely a lot of watches that are way more money than that. Hmm. Uh, you don't like big faces, do you? Typically, like, no. Are your watches? I've got a couple of like, them. I like big, bigger faces. Yeah, yours are massive. <laughs> I typically go for a 42 millimeter face, which is like a standard Apple watch. Like a 42 okay. millimeter or a 44 millimeter face. Okay. Uh, but this one's really cool. It, it domes up a little bit. That's, you know. But I also, I like the the white face with the black leather band. Uh, it's mm. very much like the old school, like, you know, you'd see like FBI agents or whatever. It's always a white. Yeah. It's, it's that watch. And it's, mm. a, it's a modern version of essentially that watch, you know. Okay. And it's got a butterfly clasp or a deployment clasp on a leather band. I don't typically wear a lot of leather bands. I only have two watches with those, but if I do, you best believe it's a deployment clasp. Love me a deployment clasp. And if you're into watches, you'll know what a deployment clasp is. It's, I mean, it looks like a fairly standard, like watch clasp, but it's, you press the buttons on the side and it actually unfolds kind of like metal watch bands do. But it's on a leather band. But it's a very good it's a very good light watch. I very much like it right now. And it's an automatic. I've kind of been a sucker for automatic watches lately. Which those mm. are the self winding ones. There's no battery. It's the self winding yeah. watches. I've been a sucker for those lately. Like, if I'm kinda iffy about a watch, but they're like, but it's an automatic, I'm like, I probably need to buy it then. <laughs> I just don't see, I mean, my two most expensive watches are not automatics, but they are solar powered though. There's some citizen eco drive watches. So they're, you know, there's at least that aspect of it. They are solar powered. Uh, But outside of that, I've been very much into automatic watches lately. So I don't know. It's really nice. I'm liking it so far. I have to break it in. That's why I'm wearing it on the podcast. It's a little too fancy to wear yeah. with just a fucking olive green fucking t-shirt. But. See, I need to visit more so we can go somewhere where we dress up like we always do. And then you can this rock. True. The sad thing is, is my my nicer watch section. So I've I've got my watches split up into three varietals. I've got my digital watches that I mainly just wear at work, you know, they tend to be somewhat on the cheaper side. I do have a couple that are slightly more expensive that are digital watches, but they're there. If I'm installing equipment or doing something and they get beat up, I'm not worried about my, you know, digital watches getting damaged that much, you know? And then I've got my casual watches, which are regular watches, but they are kind of my least fancy ones, you know, like I've got a, I've got a Tennessee Titans watch and it's not really a fancy watch. It's just a watch with the Tennessee Titans logo on the face. It's nothing really crazy or anything like that. Those are kind of like my mid casual watches. And then I've got my nicer watches. They're my, you know, my ones that are expensive or I've got, you know, one of my watches, there's only a hundred of those made. So it's one of those I've got, 
you know, my more expensive watches or, you know, my automatics, my self-winding watches. Those are all in those. And it's, it's to this point, I don't even end up wearing my casual watches ever because I'm either at work or it's the weekends when I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear my nicer watches on the weekends. And I'm like, my little casual watch section is like dwindling. But I'm like, I'm to the point now I can go every day for two weeks. And I don't think I could, if I wore a different watch every day, I could go two weeks without repeating a watch. That's, that's an impressive and that's collection. Also, that's, that's also that's what I do. That's a good collection. Uh, that's a pretty good collection. I do not repeat watches within a week. So if I wear a watch on Monday, I will. I cannot wear it until the the uh, it resets the next Monday. I, I my weeks I base on you know Mondays, you know, and so from Monday to Monday, I can only wear a watch once. Uh, and it's also to the point, and it's very bad. If like say I work in the morning. And I come home and I've got like a, I've got a night job I have to go to. If I took my morning watch off, I don't put it back on. I put on a different watch to go do my night job. That is oddly specific. And then in the morning, uh, I put on a different watch for the next day. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not that way, but I am about matching with my wardrobe. Like if it goes with what I'm wearing, that's the one I'll wear. Like, like it's always like, so I try to have these different variety of colors because, and and I don't like wearing an off color watch that doesn't, that clashes with what I'm wearing. I'm very big on that. I think I only have one watch that could seriously clash with anything. I do have a watch that has a lot of purple on it, mm. like on the Same. band. It's on the band and on the the uh, on the bezel of the watch, you know. So that one is the one I have that can clash. For the most part, most of my watches are fairly neutral because they're mm. they're black or stainless steel, you know. So they can't really clash with what I'm wearing. Sometimes I'll, it's just what kind of mood am I in based on the watch face, you know, Hmm. like I've got one watch face that's like a light gray. I've got one that's a dark gray. Outside of that, the watches are very similar. So I'm like, am I feeling light gray or dark gray today? You know, I've got, I do have like an all black watch. That's a fun watch. That, that watch is my, uh, it's a seven deadly sins watch. So, uh, you know how like watches have like the, the day and date clicker, you know, that'll rotate through this one doesn't do that. It, every 24 hours, it changes a seven deadly sin. It, it lists, it says a sin on there. So it'll go like gluttony, lust, greed every day. It changes sins. Nice. Yeah. That's a fun little watch. Um, I've got my Belova. Uh, automatic watch. That one's a nice one. It's also a leather band uh, deployment clasp watch. Like I said, there's just something about, like, ever since I saw this one, there's just something about it where I'm like, man, it's that black leather band and that white circular face that I'm like, that's just like that old style of watch that, like, professionals wore, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have to get one of those. So... 
but one of these days we somehow pulled 12 minutes out of this. Uh, but one of these days when I don't have anything to talk about, I'll have my collection next to me. Nice. And nice. I'll just start like, I'll, I'll figure out a letter. I'll figure out a letter. I won't say what, and it won't be obvious. It won't be W because W would be the easy. Oh, W for watch. Uh, I'll come up with a different letter. And if you guys ever say it, it'll be, we're going to just spend a few minutes talking about Sterling's watches. Okay. Deal. And it's funny. All this happened because I got a fucking hand tattoo and my Apple watch stopped fucking working for me. So, man, which is so weird. Uh, if you have really dark skin or a uh, black tattoo ink around your wrist, Apple watches can have problems for you. You know, that's crazy. It's all because of the sensors, the, the, the color light they use, uh, black light absorbs it too much or like, mm. see like mine, it's, it's the black on the hand tattoo. It, it absorbs it. And so the light can't enter my skin and bounce back. So the mm. sensors can't read properly. And it was getting to the point to where my watch about every 30 seconds would think I took it off my wrist because the wrist detection sensors would think I took it off. But huh. and everybody's like, oh, we'll just disable those. I'm like, yeah, but do you know how many features in an Apple watch are tied into the wrist detection? Like, yeah. So I'm just like, it's fucking pointless. I'm fucking tired of it. So I stopped wearing it and I started feeling naked because I didn't have a watch on. Because that's like I got really used to wearing an Apple Watch every day, and so I got a couple of watches, and then it exploded, and I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" Like, dude, on Sunday I was sitting there, and I'm just looking around on the internet and on Amazon, just looking at watches I've got no business looking at. I'm talking about watches where they're like, oh, do you want the bargain version of this watch? It's only $14,000. <laughs> like, do you want the actual version of this watch? It's 72000 Wow. But I was looking. Oh, was I looking. There was one watch I looked at that... It's like a, an elite level, like scuba watch. And it, I want to say that watch was about 67 grand, but you can go 10,000 feet underwater in that fucking thing. That's pretty tight. Exactly. I was like, fuck, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Tight. Yeah. Like most, I mean, most watches are some degree of water resistant. Uh, a lot of the watches I have are very water resistant. And they're like, yeah, you could shower. You could go swimming in these. I'm like, I don't always wash my hands with my watch on. Like sometimes before I go to the restroom, I will take my watch off. So when I wash my hands, I don't get my watch wet. Even though it's all, I get that. It's all rated for it, but I still like, nope, can't do it. Don't risk it. Yeah. All my watches are waterproof, but that doesn't mean I want to test it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm pretty careful with them. Exactly. Especially one like this. It's got a leather band. 
Leather is not the most waterproof substance out there. Yeah. Don't want to get my leather band wet. Anyway, that's enough for Sterling's watch hour. Uh, that was that was pleasant, though. Uh, in the intro, though, I do want to give one quick shout out to uh, past uh, podcast guests, uh, and that would be. Uh, Scarlett Moreno and uh, Josh uh, Stif- uh, Stifter. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't on the Scarlett episode, but I was on both of the Josh episodes. Uh, but they are doing a little, uh, they are doing a movie together. And I believe Josh talked about it at one on one of the episodes of the podcast, them like coming up with the idea and everything. It's a uh, little Lucha and the big deal. They are both co-directors on it. They're both also co uh stars in that movie and they did write it and they started a uh, campaign on seed and spark to help raise some money to help finalize uh, the production of this movie. And uh, we'll put the link up on our socials and everything like that. I just want to give a quick shout out on the episode. And I probably will for the next few episodes uh, about that, you know, just to help them out because I'm very much behind that project and would like to see that movie get finished. Same. I'm excited for it. So yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Just look at our socials. We'll be putting a, a posting a link to that to help you out. And I know if you donate 50 bucks, you'll get a, uh, whenever they do finalize everything, you'll get a digital screener of it to watch as like a premiere type of thing. So that would be nice. Yeah, it would be. You know, and this is like the movie version of buying local. Like, even though they're not local, but it's it's more it's supporting indie projects. And I very much enjoyed both of Josh's movies that I've seen. Um, and I I want to support that, and I'm definitely behind the idea of this movie too because. You know anything about me? I do love me some lucha style wrestling. So, no offense to what Jastin does, but he doesn't do the lucha style. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to do, see quite. you do the, the things that I have seen them do, Jastin. You do different things. It's all fine. It's all a preference. I like your matches. But you don't wear a face mask, and I love their face masks. <laughs> yeah, I don't do, I don't do <laughs> any of that. So yeah. now you're just going to see Jason in his next match. He's going to do it. He's going to be like, "This is what you wanted, Sterling. I'm doing it now." I don't know if Jason wants to do some thing. of what they do. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is that my hat is off to them for wrestling in a mask because one time, for a storyline angle in Amarillo. I had to wrestle in a mask, and I absolutely hated it. It is so hard to see. You don't have any peripheral vision. It's, it is difficult to wrestle in a mask. It is not the same as not wrestling in one. And then I think you just have to be good at facials and mannerisms because not all of your face can be seen. So 
my hat is off to them for what they're able to do and especially what some of them are able to do just the 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 sheer amount of balance and ability and athletic ability they have to have also with their vision somewhat impaired is crazy yeah and you also have to have an utter disregard for your physical well-being also <laughs> like in any way shape or form with some of what they do But I will say this, because for a long time, I was like curious, uh, like the, the people that wear the full masks that cover their entire face. I was like, how do you fucking breathe in those things? And then when like COVID had come around, I, I have a few uh, COVID masks that are <clears throat> based on Lucha masks, like actual. I say that they're all based on Pentagon masks. Let's be real. <laughs> it's not that they're based on intro, though. These are all based on on Pentagon. The company had a lot, but all the ones I bought were Pentagon. And they're made from the same material. I will say this. That was surprisingly breathable. I mean, there was still the noticeable barrier. You know what I mean? Like, there was still that. But I didn't completely feel like my face was going to melt at all times. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. That's how they get away with this. They just get good materials. But I bet if you're in a bad one, oh, it probably sucks terribly. If you get like a cheap Lucha mask, oh, I bet you want to die trying to breathe in those fucking things. But now I want to see it. I want to see Justin in a Lucha mask wrestle. Oh, gosh. No, you don't. <laughs> we'll you we'll do get not. you a cool one that'll be like Captain America. <laughs> or something that like that. That I might that. do. That I might do. Yeah, see? You just got to get it right. And instead of like, instead of an A, it can be like a, an LP on the forehead. <laughs> yep. A little Captain Proof or whatnot. Yeah. I just realized I don't have my backlights on. It's too late. We already started. I might turn them on during oh, the no. intro. Yeah. I don't know why. I just looked at my screen. I was like, wait, something's wrong. Oh, I don't have my lights on in the background. I've got my backlight on right there, but I don't have my my backlighting. Glad I wasn't wearing a black shirt. That would have blended in. At least this kind of gives, you know, <laughs> gives me some depth still. Are yeah, we, I didn't I, notice a problem. Yeah. No, I. Are we avoiding talking about this movie at this point? We might be. I think I am like subconsciously or consciously. I don't know at this point. I'm like, can we just do an intro for an hour and a half and not fucking talk about this? Like I'll play the intro music. (laughs) I'll go get my case of watches and let's just do like an actual Sterling's watch hour right now. (laughs) It might be more worthwhile. Give the people what they want, you know? Ugh. damn. You didn't like this movie. I'm shocked. I, and I'm sad about it. Like, I wanted Nine to just be a blip on the proverbial Fast and Furious, you know, timeline. And I'm like, is it actually just a sign of things to come? Was Fast Nine actually just Sub-Zero freezing a guy doing a, uh, a jump kick at the beginning of a Mortal Kombat tournament? 
Just a taste of things to come? Can anybody tell that I watched the first Mortal Kombat movie on Saturday? Yeah, you must have to remember that specific of a scene. How do you not remember (laughs) that scene in general, though? Because he goes, and now a taste of things to come. And that one guy's like, ah. He's one of those like guys where he's got no shirt and he's got the red hood thing. Yeah. And he jumps at Sub-Zero doing a jump kick and he just gets frozen in midair and falls on the ground and shatters. Yep. <laughs> How do you not remember that scene, Justin? <laughs> the moment you reminded me, Robert, you said that, it did come to mind. It immediately popped up. But I was like. It's an interesting thing to just mention in this moment. (laughs) Well, I think it's because I said a sign of things to come. And I couldn't say that without thinking of a taste of things to come. Because that line is also on the soundtrack. Mm. If I'm thinking right, that's the opening thing on the soundtrack. Is uh, Shang Tsung going, and now a taste of things to come. And this is the soundtrack. It's either track one or track two. On the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I know a stupid amount about, about, about Mortal Kombat. And that includes the movies. And that includes the only good movie, which is the first one. But I've also seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation more than any human being probably should have. I don't envy you for that. I still think it's better than that new one. (laughs) It probably is, though. What was that guy's name? Jimmy? Jimmy the Armadillo? (laughs) (laughs) Cole Young? (laughs) Good old Cole. Uh, The star of the show somehow. That's just vanilla. That's just tomato, tomato at that point. Jimmy, (laughs) Cole, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right, let's let's do this fast X. Let's just get it over with Fast and Furious style, shall we? Yes. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Justin and Heather. And tonight we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Fast 10 or Fast X, however the fuck you want to say it. Uh, one podcast I listened to called it. Uh, it was like fast ten your seatbelts. Uh, we will go uh, spoiler free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in the audio and YouTube versions of this episode. If you are watching YouTube, yes, my backlights did turn on during the intro. You just keep on these magic tricks during the intro, and that. And yes, I started talking with my microphone on mute. So if you're watching the video, it, you will see me go, hey, and I'm like, oh, fuck, my mic's on mute. So the video is going to be very weird for this episode. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 
which is great for all the people just listening to it. They are really enjoying me talking about the visuals of this podcast. Uh, and so just with all that, uh, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Fast 10? All right. Well, um, is this movie great? No. But is it better than Fast 9? Yes. It is. It's an improvement over that last movie we saw. Uh, Not a high bar, but you are correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had more fun with this one. Like, I, I think that this. Now, is this still outlandish and over the top and just kind of crazy with some of the things that they do? Yes. But dare I say they dialed it down a bit from Fast 9. You know, we're not in space anymore. I was about uh, to say, so they did anything but go to space. Like, that's dialing it down. <laughs> is, did they just not go to space in this one? <laughs> so we, we didn't do that. Um, just the way that the movie sort of works out, they, 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 they did what I would like to call an infinity war, where they take, where we have got so many fast characters now that, what they sort of did with this storyline was sort of split characters up into these different groups. And so everybody is doing something that's going to contribute to uh, what we're doing with the big baddie in this, uh, Jason Momoa's character. Um, And I think where the movie excels, I mean, if you want to even call it that, but, but I guess one positive I can say about the movie is that we talked about in our last episode about how of those two exorcist movies we watched the, the difference in one movie and the other was Russell Crowe because he was in it and he had some star power and he sort of made a difference, even though we were both dealing with two movies, not good. Some star power in that movie made a difference than the movie that didn't have any star power. I think this is the same way. There are stars in this. Justin, so are you saying that having John Cena do nothing John Cena-like and utterly waste him as a villain in nine didn't pay off compared to having a villain do villain shit? Is that what you're inferring, Justin? Isn't that a novel idea? (laughs) Isn't that's that craziness. a novel idea? Like, I mean, I think that that's really the difference here is that there there are some actors and actresses that kind of get to do what they do. And because of that, I enjoyed this more. You know, we got a better version of John Cena here than we did in the other movie. So I enjoyed him more in this. These little pairings that they did where they put certain characters together. I, I was I was OK with most of the pairings. Now, some we now there are certain characters that are always paired together. You know, that was 
par for the course. But there are some pairings here that I didn't know if I would like them or not or how entertaining they would be. And I was kind of okay. Like, I think that that's where the, the movie is better than the other one. That there are just certain, there are some stars in here that weren't in, that weren't in the first one or they didn't have as much to do in the ninth one. Sorry, I said the first one. The ninth one, sorry. And I think... Just because those characters got to do a little more, just because they got to interact in this, it elevates it above the ninth film for me. Um, again, I think that this movie just struggles with its balance. There were so many parts where it really tries to be serious and it really tries to get you to buy in to this family dynamic with Dom. And there's this message about that in here. And man, those scenes are so hit and miss. And, and, And most of them, I do think miss. And some of it though, I think is Vin Diesel's fault. Like, whoa, I, I think that, whoa, that's just, that's I, the most declarative thing I've ever heard. I think that some of the, I think he struggles with scenes like that. I, I think he struggles with emotional scenes and giving them the depth that they need at times. He's definitely yeah. better angry and and all, you know, manly and shit. He's definitely better at that. I genuinely prideful. had the thought in the movie of if he didn't say any words and he was just like doing the facial expressions, he would have been completely fine. So, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> damn. I didn't say damn. What you said was way worse than what I just said. But, 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 but no, I get your point. You're agreeing with me and I get your point. But damn, Heather. Damn, that was a shot. I'm sorry, Diesel. I'm sorry. Um, but no, but, but I think that's what it is, man. He struggles with that stuff because there are parts in this movie, and I don't think this is a spoiler, where the villain is doing things. And the purpose is it's supposed to be affecting our hero, the protagonist. And you tell me if he was ever affected by really anything that happened, because I just, I, I had trouble picking up on that. Like these things are happening and it's supposed to be affecting him, but I just don't know if the movie wanted him to act this way or if this was the best that the actor could do given the circumstances. And I'll be able to elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, I think in the spoilers, I hope, I think what I said made sense, like just based on what I'm thinking about his acting. Uh, Jason Momoa. Um, It's not my favorite Jason Momoa portrayal. 
I don't know if it's even in my top. <laughs> I don't know if it's even the middle of <laughs> how I rank Momoa portrayals. I don't know. That would be an interesting list, I guess. Uh, Momoa portrayals. We'll see. But, now I'm curious what your list is. I know, right? Because y- you've got him in Game of Thrones. Yeah. You got, I'm trying to think of his movies and, and stuff that I like him in. I mean, he's good what as Aquaman. What you got, the Aquaman? Yeah, he's good as Aquaman. Dune. His character in Dune. He's good. Yeah, game. Duncan Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's yeah, fun, he was very good Duncan. in Dune. Um, yeah. But then what's next? Conan the Barbarian? That's true. Like, where, what, what would his other ones? I, I'd have to really think about Wasn't that. Wasn't he on more. Baywatch? Well, if you're going into TV, he was on Baywatch Nights. He was in Stargate yeah. Atlantis, uh, Game of Thrones. And those I, and those I haven't seen. I've only seen Game of Thrones, which, you know, he was solid in he that. He was good. So I don't know. Yeah, That's he was a, good in that. Yeah, so that's another, I guess that's another conversation for another time. But in this movie, I will admit, you know, after it, the the antagonist being kind to Charlie Theron for a little bit, dare I say he was a little bit refreshing. It, it was just, you know, it was just, you know, his motive was clear. What he wanted to do was clear. Um, and he seemed to just be having fun with this. Like it felt like he read the script and was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to do the best impression of the Nicholson Batman 89 Joker (laughs) that I can mixed in with the, it's actually kind of weird. It's almost like we got two versions of Joker in one person here. The way they wrote the character was very reminiscent of the Ledger Joker. Like what he was doing, how he's one step, seemingly one step, ten steps ahead of everybody. And he's got this big plan. And what he wants is a very focused just thing. And that's he's fixated on that. And sort of how he sees what he's doing, it all has to line up for this one thing. And just how he, how calculating he was about uh, this plan and everything he was doing was very reminiscent of me to Ledger Joker. But the way he was acting was Nicholson Joker, uh, Batman 89. I saw a lot of parallels in that. And if a light bulb hasn't gone off for you yet, I'll definitely be able to give you examples of that in the spoilers, uh, just how he portrayed the character. But I got a kick out of it, man. I didn't hate this performance. I've never really seen him do anything like this. And honestly, I think, you know, with the right story, I don't know if this is the perfect portrayal of it, but I'd like to see him try again to play a more eccentric character. I think he might have some potential to do that. But 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 I but but long story short, I didn't hate him here. I thought that he did add to this, you know, whatever he could based on uh, the the writing of this script. And the last thing I'll say is that really just the problems is, is just that 
I think that really the biggest problem is balance. Probably already said it. Like just weighing the emotional scenes versus the action scenes, which all the action scenes, I didn't hate them. The, some were kind of cool and, and some were just were super outlandish and just over the top, which we've all come to expect from this franchise. So I got really no surprises there. Um, I will say this, though. After the movie was over and we got to the end and then we got to the end credits. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait to see what they do with this last one. If this is the last one or is this a three part? They are doing a three parter. They've they've changed okay, it to a trilogy. So it's three parts. So you've got two more movies. So. Left. So, OK, so I'm not going to lie. When I saw what I saw at the end of it, I got a little excited because it made me think that there are the potential for some good scenes with who we have in the film for the next one. And some of the things I thought were missing from nine and were definitely missing from nine. I feel like it, it, it feels like some of those elements are going to be coming back. And I think that it will probably make me enjoy the two that we have left more. So I will at least give the movie that overall thought it was an improvement over nine. And I think maybe the, the, the two after this could potentially be better back to that because of that reason of we're going to have certain actors and actresses, with each other, and that could really help things moving forward. Uh, Sterling, go. Throwing you for a loop. I see. Yeah, I, I, I like changing it up lately. I don't like going last all the time. Gotta change it up. Um, is this movie better than Fast 9? Yes. Is this movie as good as five, six, seven, or eight? No. No, it is not. This is the best of the worst fast movies. I don't think it's the worst good one. I think it's the best worst one. You know, uh, and a lot of it has to do with, like Justin said, balance. This movie has no balance in any way, shape, or form. There's no balance in the way the actors, some of the actors portray the scenes. There's no uh, balance in how they're telling like eight different storylines. There's no balance in performances from what they've established the characters as in the past. They don't even balance that properly. It's very uneven. And they don't even, I, I, they don't even do a good job of managing the cast they have. I mean, I know it's the Fast and Furious franchise, but you're gearing up for the end here. Why are we introducing like eight more characters to this fucking franchise? This franchise that already has like 47 people. And you go, guys, we're going to end it. Let's add eight more in the first one. It's a little ridiculous like that because you're sacrificing time with the characters that you've grown to know and love throughout the franchise 
for just, you know, Bobby Joe that showed up in this movie. There are actors that I don't even know if they will be in any more of these movies that are getting more screen time than people that have been in like six of these. And it's very weird when they do that. Uh, I do think Jason Momoa is an improvement in this movie as far as a villain goes. He's got a lot of chaos energy to him, which is sometimes fun. But unfortunately, like most chaos villains, they add the trope that they are also, like Justin said, one to ten steps ahead at all time. So they are chaos villains that are also the most highly organized people that have ever existed. (laughs) And it's weird. And that is a trope that became popular with the Dark Knight and the Joker and that. I'm not saying that originated it because it didn't. I think it became popular with that movie. Uh, But even then, this movie, Vin Diesel is in this movie way too much. And Vin Diesel is also in this movie by himself way too much. You know, he's like he ends up interacting with like 47 different people for like eight minutes each. So there's no cohesiveness to his parts of the story. And then like Justin said, and Heather skewered him on, he doesn't necessarily have the the talent to carry some of the scenes he's in. You know, this movie does have some cool scenes in it. It's got some cool stuff in it. But then... It just shoehorns a little too much also. This movie wanted to be the Infinity War of the Fast franchise. You did not get there. At all. And I do mean that in a negative way. I mean, yes, as Justin alluded to, there are things that happen towards the very end of this movie that do make the prospects of 11 and 12 more exciting. But the direct finish of this movie is a gigantic letdown. And I, if they hadn't added other shit to it, I think it would have made going into the next one worse. If they hadn't figured out some stuff, between when they filmed this and then, it would have been rough. Real rough. There's some potential going into it, but man. This was just one of those movies, though, that like, for every one thing it did good, it did two things weirdly and one thing badly. That's a good way to put it. it, It's just... I don't know. It's just one of those movies where overall it's, it's, it's fairly fun, but also just so many times in this movie, I'm just shaking my head going, what the fuck was that? And not in a good way. 
not like a like a submarine battling cars. What the fuck is going on? Kind of fun way. Just weird. I mean, I don't know what kind of studio notes they were given in this, but man, John Cena is not playing the Jacob Toretto he played in Fast 9. He's not. He's the twin brother of that Jacob Toretto named Jacob Toretto. But he was the fun twin. He was John Cena. (laughs) That's the difference. He was John Cena in this movie. But it is a different character in this movie. And they do not show you a through line to really allude to why he is so different. Because, I mean, this isn't that big of a spoiler. He's playing babysitter for a lot of this movie. But he's a very fun John Cena. Whereas he was just a guy that happened to be named John Cena playing a character in Fast 9. It's a very sharp turn that I was mostly okay with, but it's just still very jarring that they established that that's what this character is going to be. And then they make some weird choices with that character that I'm not quite on sure that I agree with, but I might be willing to give them one more movie to justify some of the things they did with that character. Uh, Weirdly enough, my favorite scenes in this movie were Michelle Rodriguez and Charlize Theron together. That was one of the pairings I was talking about that I liked. I That was super good. They were tight. They were a lot of fun. That best, was a lot of fun. That was one of the action better decisions sequence, they made. Best action sequence, best dynamics. You know, I dug those scenes. I thought that was really good. Um, Some of the bigger characters that they added into this was, uh, what's his name? Alan Richtman? Richterman? Richter? What? Richson, I think. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Jack Reacher in the Amazon series stuff. Um, also, a big behemoth of a man. That guy is so big. He is just. Yeah, he's massive. Made of muscle. I think he has no less than 52 muscles that the average human does not have. <laughs> um, I actually kind of dug him in this movie. I thought he was yeah, fairly tight. Um, I liked him too. I really dug Allison Brie or uh, not Allison Brie. Um, Brie Larson. Brie, Brie Larson. Larson. Yes. Allison Brie is yep. Dave Franco's wife uh, from community. Uh, Brie Larson. I really dug Brie Larson in this movie. Yep. Another person I was talking about. I another don't, star they added that I, I think. I don't think we got enough better. Brie Larson. But if 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 she plays a bigger role in the next two movies, I think it'll be fine. Um the girl that played Ratcatcher 2 uh played uh Vin Diesel's baby mama's sister. Elena's sister, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Miss Hemsworth. Because that's Chris Hemsworth's wife also, if you didn't know. Uh, not the rat catcher lady, the the lady from Fast Five. Um, plays her sister. That was a fine character, but at the same time, like, 
I don't know if she's going to be in the next two movies. And I'm like, did we really need to spend 25 Was she minutes necessary? with a character that's not in the other movies? Did we really need that? Uh, there's a street race scene in this movie that, you know, it happens. You know, they filmed it. We watched it. And that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, it's just whatever. But, you know, it's that weird contractual obligation in a Fast and Furious movie. It don't matter if they're fighting submarines or going to outer space. You still got to have a street race. And this was the least needed street race to ever happen. Yeah, it felt like the least attempt, the just the most unenthused, just least ambitious one they've probably ever done. Like, I think that was like my least favorite action scene was the street race. And normally, and that feels like a sin in a fast movie. Yeah. And then I did not know that there it was possible to like remote control as many cars as they do in this movie. Every other (laughs) car in this movie is remote controlled at some point. It's a little weird. Um, once again, I know this was a criticism I had of nine. Why the fuck are we bringing Han back to not fucking use him? Like they are not utilizing Han. Like Han deserves to be utilized. There's a reason why this character was a fan favorite. And you were just relegating him to a fucking D-list character in these movies after bringing him back to life. You went through all this trouble to Lazarus, this motherfucker, to do nothing with him. I do not understand why they insist on doing that. Maybe it's all to pay off in 11 and 12. But that's the problem with this movie is you're hoping and praying that they make better choices for two more movies. You have zero inclination that they will make better choices. You've just got a hope and a prayer that they do. There's potential in this movie to set up better movies in the future. I just hope to God they actually live up to their potential. Because otherwise, you get another Fast 9 and Fast 10. I don't need more Fast 9s and Fast 10s. I need 5s, 6s, 7s, and 8s. I need something better. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say that's spoiler-free. I think that might be where I leave this one. I might be done for now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be done for now. I'll save everything else for spoilers. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I I would say I pretty much agree with both of you on your sentiment about this one. It is definitely better than Fast 9. Um, For me, I would probably put this one above Tokyo Drift as well. Um, But yeah, it's really not up there. And like, I kind of expected that it's going to be like just more ridiculousness with like the, the action that they do because they just up it a little more every time. And yeah, they didn't go to space in this one. So I guess I'll give them that, (laughs) but yeah, you just, 
I, but the, the weird thing is kind of what you guys said, like it was still a fun film. It was a fun, enjoyable movie, even with its flaws, you know, and, and it's because I think that people go into these movies knowing what they're getting. They know what they're in for. They know that it's just, you know, crazy car chases and action fights and just absolutely unbelievable things that nobody could actually ever do. Um, all in one movie and that's fun. And that's why people like these movies. People aren't going to these movies for, you know, the amazing acting performances or, you know, the incredibly intricate storylines. Like that's not what they're going to this movie for. And that's fine. Like that's, you know, that that's not what this movie is. You know what I mean? That's a good but point. The, that's, that's good that you made that point. Cause yeah, sometimes that gets lost sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, people who are, you know, film reviewers or critics of movies, like if they're going into the mindset of they want this to be like a Shawshank Redemption, that's just not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? I think I think that that's what makes nine in this movie a little worse is the fact that my expectations are not that high. Right. Just (laughs) somehow make some jokes do some crazy ass action sequences and, you know, not give a fuck about the laws of <laughs> physics every once in a while. Like yeah. that's more or less my bar. Mm-hmm. It's like you expect not really anything and you're still let down, you yeah. know, <laughs> like I'm just expecting some dumb, crazy shit to happen. That's fun. It's just fun. Like yeah. that's my bar is just crazy shit and some fun. Let's go. Right. And when they're not hitting that bar, I think it hits me a little worse because I'm like, <laughs> I was not expecting much. And I was on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was rooting for you because I yeah. want to have some stupid brain dead bullshit fun. Yep. And when I'm not having fun and I'm just like, man, like I, I think it hits me worse than like just a normal bad movie or something. You know what I mean? Like it kind of hits me a little worse because I'm like, I didn't have much expectations. I get that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's sort of where I'm at with it too. It's like, I, these aren't up there as like, you know, favorite movies for any real reason, but they're still fun. If you're just like, I just want a fun action movie that you don't have to think about. And, these are those that's that's what these movies are for you, you know, and and to kind of clarify a little bit my comment about Vin Diesel. It's more like I think I'm specifically thinking about there's uh, there's a scene in the movie where, you know, he he just says some dialogue when he's by himself, like he's talking kind of to himself or something when I'm like he actually could have just not said anything And I think that that would have been fine in that moment, like because what he was doing with his face and his whole like trying to move the car the way he needed to move the car was totally fine. Believable that he's struggling with this car chase and whatever it is. But when he said the line of dialogue that just wasn't good dialogue along with it, it kind of took it away. You know what I mean? It took away the the impact Mm. of what would have been happening and that's why I'm like, sometimes you can say nothing, Vin Diesel, and it's fine. <laughs> like, because he's not that like drive home the, 
you know, impactful delivery of a line actor. Like, and it's no offense to him. Like, I don't really think he necessarily wants to be that. Like, he's very much an action star. And these movies are very much a, what would you call it? Like a labor of love type of thing. Like, he just does these movies because he, you know, it's his family for real though now. Like, so. I think you're confusing labor of love with really big paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is and i guess that's true it's definitely a big paycheck but he he still is like he's still doing these movies because he actually i feel like of all the movies he's done it seems like he loves these movies you know he loves making them he loves doing them and all of that so but yeah and and that's what i mean by that and i I don't mean any real offense to vin diesel but it's just sometimes i'm like what you're doing with your face and what you're doing like the intensity of the moment I'm getting from your face, but then you say this dialogue and I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) don't do it. But, um, you know, it's, but they did have, they jam packed this movie with a lot of stars and a lot of cameos and things like that. Some of them worked and some of them didn't. Um, you know, I think I was, they were still amusing, even if they didn't work quite the way I wish they would have. They still worked for what it was, but um, I do think that that is where this movie sort of is a downfall because they try to do too much. They try to put too much, too many characters, too many things going on in one movie. Like it almost felt like this should be a mini series or something like it. Cause you know, you get the cuts to the different groups of people that are together and you're not actually really getting any, you know, profound story from any of the storylines, really, I guess, outside of Vin Diesel's storyline. But and and so it just kind of takes away. And the I guess all that to say this movie felt the link that it was. It felt like a long movie <laughs> and like it's an action movie and it's fun. And I don't really feel like it should feel as long as it was. But, um, you know, the, just kind of the way that it, they paced it and the way they broke it up it kind of didn't keep me like fully invested the whole time. So I think that was probably its biggest problem with the, with how they just kind of paced and organized the story in this one. Um, I absolutely agree about Han. I think that he was way underutilized. Um, I mean, he's, I would say probably the most consistent character in the movies (laughs) for the ones he's in. As far as he stays the same, he's the same character throughout. But I'm like, but like use that, use that to your advantage with these movies, because exactly like what Sterling said, he was a fan favorite and that you, you need to just kind of maximize what you can get out of him. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I think that that was a very missed opportunity. I completely agree about John Cena because I think when John Cena is being John Cena, it's always great. It's money, but it's the real weird turn. That's really the big, the only problem I had is the fact that his character in this movie was not the same character. And it really kind of makes you confused. Cause you're like, he was just the straight up villain in this one. And they didn't really end it like in nine, they didn't really end it on like a, this he changed who he was as a person like it just it feels out of nowhere to change his personality and character the way they did um 
Jason Momoa, I actually, for the most part, really enjoyed him in this. I do think he added to this movie. I think he was the most memorable thing about this movie, probably, for me. He he had moments where I he was he was so all over the place with his character that you feel like I don't know, I just I had I didn't know fully how I should feel about how he did his character. <laughs> but then there's just some moments that I'm like, I really like the way he did that. Like, for example, his entrance into this movie, like um, his entrance as the actual villain of the movie was great. I thought it was a really great scene when he f- is first there with Charlize Theron. Great scene. Um, and just the funny moments, the moments when he's super silly and funny while he's also doing villainous things is it was really good. I think there were some moments where I was like, he nailed this. I think he really did. So I think he was definitely one of the better things about the movie for sure. Um, and again, hadn't seen him do anything like this either. So I, it was refreshing and it was nice to see. So yeah, I think um, I am a little disappointed in the lack of Michelle Rodriguez in this one. I just expected more of her in it because she's an OG of the stories, you know, but um, what they did do with her and Charlize Theron was good. It was a good pairing. It was uh, something that probably was more interesting than some of the other storylines. Um, Ludacris and Tyrese. I don't really know what to say about that <laughs> other than I'm kind of over it. Um, <laughs> they're they're kind of mean gir- girl like mean girlsing that whole situation of they're trying to make it a thing and damn yeah, it Gretchen yeah. it's never going to be a thing it's never going to be a thing yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you're right that's totally what they're doing and the thing is that is like I actually I like Ludacris in the fast movies I actually think he's really good in them I think he's charming and he's funny and endearing a little bit like he actually pulls off the jokes he's doing Tyrese unfortunately just doesn't really like I feel like the only reason he works in the movie is because he's paired with Ludacris all the time and they're back and forth that they do which is unfortunate because they're trying to make that a thing and it just this the whole thing gets old when it's not it's almost like they overdo it they overdo it with that that bit in this one and you feel it here (laughs) I think it was just kind of I I feel like yeah, it's it's just not great. Um, I've never really been a huge fan of Tyrese's character in these movies anyway, but even more so in this, I'm like, I feel like he's trying to do humor that might have been popular like years ago. <laughs> like his style of humor and his delivery of humor is like, maybe if we haven't hadn't seen this like, so many other times the type of joking that you're doing maybe it would work but it's just it feels like oh you stole that from somewhere else and you can tell (laughs) like I don't know that's just kind of how it felt to me but so that's kind of I mean yeah I, I I get why they're still in the movies and I'm not saying they should not be in the movies but I think they should probably try to do something else with them at this point or write them better jokes for each other (laughs) one of the two um but yeah overall even with all of those things that i had criticisms about 
again, fun movie. Um, I didn't expect it to be a, you know, great revolutionary film. It was what I expected it to be in the sense of the quality of storytelling that I got out of it. And the action was decent. Um, so yeah, it was, it was still a fun ride. It just definitely isn't up there as one of the best fast movies. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yep. Yes. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, start us out. Okay. I mean, yeah, if you've seen all the other fast movies, definitely I will say watch this one. Um, I think it's going to progress storyline wise what happens in the next set of movies. So I think it would be important to watch it again. If you're just looking for a mindless action film to just watch, you know, get out of the house. Sure. Um, Otherwise maybe just wait for it to come on a streaming service of some type. It's, it's nothing extraordinary. It is nothing, you know, to like write home about, but it's still, it's still a fast movie and it still is enjoyable for what those movies are. Um, but it's it's not my first pick. So, yeah, I'll recommend it if you're a fan of the Fast movies. Um, I think I'll probably just have to go. Um, I don't even know. This is hard because it's very middle of the road. But I think I might I'll give a little bit less than that. I'll give like a 49 um, utilize Han more out of 100. I think it's kind of fun. It's not as fun as you. it should be. It's funner than the last one. It's weirder than the last one, though. I kind of agree with Heather. I don't know if this is enough to justify seeing it in a movie theater, though. Like, if you're... Especially if you're picky about what you see in a theater... And, you know, you don't go as much as, like, say we do. You know, like, if you're not going to a movie on a weekly basis, say you see, like, one movie a a month, maybe. Don't waste your time on this one. Wait till it's streaming somewhere and watch it then. I think it's fine to watch, though. You know, know, especially if you're a fan of these movies or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, watch the movie. It's fun. It's fun-ish. It's fun enough. But... Unless you just absolutely go to the movies all the time and you have to see a movie every weekend and this is your movie that weekend, just wait. It's not worth that. It's definitely not worth some of the prices that they have for the like collect collectible items at AMC theaters for it. You can get Dom's car, like a Dom's car popcorn holder. For 50 bucks, though. It's 50 fucking dollars. Oh. The one they did for D&D is a gigantic D20 dice, and that thing was only 30. Infinitely more reasonable than this $50 fucking car thing. I just, I I, I, I couldn't accept that. I, I, it just doesn't work. It's not that type of movie. It's not good enough. 
You know, if it was maybe the quality of anything through Fast 5 through Fast 8, okay, maybe. But you're giving me a better quality movie than you're giving me with this. So, I, you know, I can't justify it for this. But it's fine. Uh, I liked it, I guess, a little bit more than Heather. Uh, I'll give it a 55. Just what the fuck were you doing with John Cena's character in these two movies out of 100? Justin, what about you? Wow. Um, may sound weird, but I think it's going to get a recommend for me. <laughs> I think it's going to, it, it, it managed to get one of us uh, to recommend it. Um, honestly, I, I think, uh, yeah, it has a lot of flaws. It's definitely not a great film, but I just, I think I had more fun with this than the last one. I, I think that the actors and the actresses that they added to this made this more fun for me. I, I, enjoyed what I was seeing from most of the character dynamics. And yeah, I get that Tyrese and Ludacris were, were not the best of this. Um, that, that was, might've been my least favorite dynamic was them with Han and everything like that. Uh, but maybe that's par for the course because they're just not as good as people like Brie Larson and, you, you know, uh, what's his name? Rickson, Rickman, the guy who plays Reacher, him, Richson, sorry, Alan Richson, please don't beat me up. Um, but like, they're not as good as people like Brie Larson or, um, or like Michelle Rodriguez and Charlize Theron and Jason Momoa. They're not as good at this as they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've been in it longer. They've been playing these characters for 97 years. Yeah, but we know who the experienced, more talented actors and actresses are. And sometimes, man, (laughs) I I don't care how long you've been kind of doing something. There are people that just do shit excellent. And when you put them in a room with some people who kind of can do it, do it all right, but these people do it excellent, it shows. Like, I mean, if you put, if you gave me a list and lined up all the actors and actresses in this, I could tell you without hesitation whose scenes are probably going to be better, and it plays out just like that in this movie. So... <laughs> the, the so I mean were they the worst part of this yes but look who at, they were up against there was no way they were going to be the best part of it so I just so I feel like what naturally was supposed to happen did happen um, so on that end it was kind of like the people who uh, who elevated this should have been the people who elevated this and then the people who weren't as good in this Probably should have been the people not as good in this. But I think that those people who are talented and good and just have a screen presence and have just are really good at this thing we call acting, they stood out in this. 
And I just got a kick out of them. I enjoyed them. I, I, yeah, you're right. The, the, the John Cena that we got in Fast 9 is not the John Cena that we got here. But the John Cena here is the good one. This is what he should have been in Fast Nine. This is what the the this is what John Cena like. The, this is where he shines. So he shined playing babysitter. So good, in fact, that I mean, I wouldn't even mind a reboot of Kindergarten Cop and John Cena playing the cop. He probably killed that, that thing. He probably kill at that after seeing him like do this because. This was an unlikely pairing in this movie, but dude, he so like made that work and just did what, you know, he just kind of seen it, that thing and did his John Cena charm stuff. And so I enjoyed him too. Like, and so I think if you're like, you were saying, Heather, the, the people who come to watch these movies, they know what they're getting, but they know what these are. They know that you're going to get a lot of these crazy stunts that don't make any sense and you're going to see all these characters that you like and stuff like that. And I think if that's what you signed up for, you get plenty of that in this. And then when you get to the end of the movie and find out that there's going to be more of the people that you enjoy in it, I, I just don't see how a person who is like that would walk away not liking this. I think that if you go in with those expectations, the, the, they meet them more than they don't meet them, I feel like, in this movie. So I'll at least give it that. Where it fails is the emotional depth stuff and the storyline organization and stuff like that, which you could argue a lot of these fast movies fail at that stuff. That that, that They're never going to have the emotional depth that they need to have. And even though you have this family dynamic, it's never going to reach the depth that family dynamics can in other dramatic films and shit like that. It ain't going to ever get to that. But adding some star power, adding some characters that, adding some, some characters and some people that just know how to do this acting shit made this shit better, man. And, and sometimes that's uh, all you need for a time for it to have a good time at the movies. So with that, we're going to go. I'm going to go a little higher than Sterling. I'm going to go 60. It's going to get a 60 from me. I'm going to go 60. Uh, Jason Momoa painting the, the, the toenails of dead people out of 100. So the official Cinescore or Fast X or Fast 10 or whatever the fuck this movie is called is a 55. Right around where the critics landed. Yeah, that's fair. Right around where I fucking landed. More importantly. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, spoilers? Yep. Yep. Spoilers. All right, first and foremost, I guess let's talk about the end of this movie. Uh, Mid-credit sequence, you get a return of Hobbs. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, for all we can tell now, is returning for Fast 11 and 12. Apparently, 
whatever deal they made to get him back in it was finalized after the movie was filmed, but before it came out. They filmed that thing, I think they said like eight weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. It was that close, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's fairly, yeah, it's, it was really quickly. It was around the time that Black Adam failed. Um, so, yes, he is back. Also at the end of this movie, uh, Gal Gadot is back. Yeah. In what is also one of the most awkward reintroductions into a movie. Because she comes out from a sub and she's now rescuing Cypher and in, in Michelle Rodriguez. And I'm like, so she's working with Cypher? But then also, the sub surfaces, which, okay, Cypher's known to steal subs, whatever, that's fine. Whatever. But she opens the top hatch and then does like a JCPenney catalog photo shoot of poses, smiling at them. In Antarctica, as her introduction, introduction, she opens that hatch and oh, they no. stare at her, and she just goes, <laughs> "Gal Gadot." That's exactly what happened. Yep, you're right. He's and stupid. That's but that's what people wanted to see, and you know that there's that's what people wanted. They just wanted her to I look pretty. Don't give a fuck. Yeah, it she, is, Negative 47 <laughs> degrees in Antarctica. You ain't doing poses without wearing a hood. That was an uncanny impression. She is just Gal wearing Gadot, some fucking Under Armour activewear warm gear. She'd be freezing if it was Antarctica. She's too hot to freeze, even in Antarctica, bro. <laughs> and you Nobody, truth. no one is that hot. No, no, she is. She kind of no. is, though. No, she ain't. Kind of is. She ain't. It was just weirdly but anticlimactic. The smile, but it was just a really, it was just too long of a smile. I will agree with you with that. It was, she smiled, and the scene, and the camera just stayed there. And I was like, is it, anything going to happen? And then it cut. <laughs> it's it so was weird. awkwardly long. It was just very long. It was a long smile and pose from her at at first i was like oh shit you know oh shit gal gadot is back and then i was like okay okay and i had gotten over my surprise and she was still smiling and i was like are we gonna move on here and then it did so i get the the length of how awkward it was See, that's the problem. Is it it's long enough to make you go, oh shit, that's cool. Okay. Next scene, please. <laughs> like that's what's weird about that scene. Um for whatever reason, you know, I know he's only been in two movies. We got him in Fast Nine and Fast Ten, and you you know, you get your John Cena, it's like, all right. And then they finally give you a good version of him in a movie, and you're like, all right. And then they fucking kill him. They just kill him. All of a sudden, he's just dead now. And I'm like, but he just he just got good. What? What? Why are you killing him when he gets good? Like kill I him mean, in the Sterling, last movie when he's. Do you really think he's? Do you do you really think he's dead though? I mean, nobody else dies. Why does he need to die? 
And dude, I need to see my Cena Rock scene. Like, there's no way you could we'll kill see. him because the opportunity you have yeah, to have a Cena and Rock scene for them to do something together in the same freaking movie, but not be Cena and Rock, but basically be Cena and Rock. I got to have that. I have to have it. There's no way he's dead. They don't kill anybody else. Why kill him? That was literally going to be my next point, though, is (laughs) that if they do that, are they just going out of their way to not give fans Cena and Rock in the same movie? Are they just intentionally sabotaging themselves from what should be cinematic gold? Exactly. It's they got to do it, man. I hope you're right, Justin. Like, I do hope you're right. But I'm just saying, as the movie stands right now, I'm like, do they just hate their fans? Like you, you finally give us a good scene of a version of Cena in this movie. And then you kill him before the rock comes back. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, just come on, stop it. Just stop shooting yourself in the fucking foot over and over again. Just quit it. Um, I thought it was very weird that little nobody, uh, Scott uh, Eastwood's character is sidelined for most of this movie because he takes a tumble out of a car with all the things that people have done in these movies with cars. They have caught people with car windshields. They have fallen onto cars from very high altitudes, but they retconned them surviving (laughs) because they landed on a car, not the ground. And this guy does a tuck and roll out of a car. And they're like, he's in a coma. I low key forgot he was in this movie. He's I'll be just honest about it. Incapacitated. I did too. <laughs> You're right. Oh no. But no, I, cause I saw him take that little roll and I thought he was still going to be running and trying to give him a gadget and all this other stuff. And then that scene just ends. And then they're like, uh, Alan uh, Richardson's character is like little, nobody's incapacitated. I was like, but, but how? No, no one in this movies gets hurt from that. No one. Um, but like that's the going to the uh the 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 pairings and everything. Having Vin Diesel ultimately being by himself is a terrible choice. You need to have him with established characters. Don't act like he's got enough charisma to have new characters interact with him and make me care. No. Any of those scenes that were good, it's because of the other person's charisma. It's literally any other character would have done that better. Exactly. He is. And that's what I think is funny, Justin, when you're talking about who's the good and bad ones. Vin Diesel is the worst part. And he's in 85% of these scenes. Like the thing is about Chris Bridges, also known as Ludacris. I've seen him actually do some good acting and some stuff. Uh, There's a few episodes of law and order SVU that he's in that. He is super good, super good. He's got it, but they just utterly insist with putting him in with Vin Diesel 2.0 with Tyrese. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as bad as Vin Diesel is with like the serious acting, Tyrese is that bad with comedic acting. Correct. That is exactly what it is. He's not a funny man. Unless mm. he's got like I don't know what it is. But then they sideline Han and Ramsey, who are good characters and good actors with those characters. And they just have them doing a bunch of dumb shit. Like that scene where they're fighting in that internet cafe was fucking dumb. Oh my God. And I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to blame Ludacris or Tyrese for that. That's not their fault. That's a poorly written scene. That's a poorly directed scene. That's a poorly everything's. It should not have been in this movie or filmed scene. It's that a didn't bad work scene. at all. And then they have Han. He eats the, the funny muffin. And he starts tripping a little bit. I don't know. Apparently it wears off after 15 seconds, though. There was no <laughs> point in that. Yeah, it didn't that lead to anything. That was the best part. And I thought it was going to go somewhere with yeah, it, but they didn't. That yeah. is, that's the best potential in that scene. And it's the yeah. best part of that scene. But ultimately, like that scene as a whole, it does not matter. Pete Davidson makes a cameo in this. He's whatever, but it's a terrible scene. So I feel bad for him that his cameo in this franchise is in one of the worst scenes. It's pointless and terrible. And honestly detracts from the movie. Because that was meant to be the comedic scene to kind of, you know, liven things up. Any of those that were effective was John Cena and a fucking eight-year-old. Those comedic scenes worked. And I totally agree with you, Justin. Yeah. Where's John Cena's kindergarten cop? Because that's perfect. John Cena did something that neither Dave Bautista or the rock could do, which is actually have good movie scenes with a child. Yeah. They had some movies where they tried, and they and didn't Dave come Batista's close to this. Was fairly recently, yep. And it does not yep. work. I kind of think it does, but I get what you mean. I You're d- talking about Knock at the Cabin, right? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm talking about that movie where he's like a CIA agent. Oh yeah, my my spy. Or yeah, something that like movie. That. Yeah. That. Okay. I thought you were talking about Knock at the Cabin. Oh, no, no, I was no. like, I actually liked their dynamic. No, no. I'm, okay, I'm talking about that comedic. The comedic child roles yeah, got it adult action person with child because the rock did that in the game plan and it doesn't work uh dave batista did it in the yeah that my spy movie it does not work john cena did it so if yeah, you're going to do works. Uh, uh, that remake yes it's john cena he sealed the deal no need for auditions just make it happen exactly that's just a that needs to happen and like that that one's I mean, everything gets rebooted. Right. So it's due. And I think it would be fun, like because you could show how different kids are today because kids, the kindergartners, like how they were acting is not the kindergartners of today. Like true. What? So there'd be some fun there. Was that Arnold's first like pure comedic role? I can't it, remember if that or junior was first. Kindergarten oh, cop would have been before junior. Oh, okay. 
And not saying that that junior is a good movie. I'm just saying as far as comedic roles that he's done. I just, oh, I'm just sitting here thinking, I think it would have potential to be better than the Arnold one. I think the Arnold one yeah. is slightly slept on for, especially mm-hmm. the risk he took with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the John Cena version has a legit, would have a legit chance of being good. Like, a yeah, good, like good all around. Well, Cause I even think about, and I think it was in peacemaker when he goes to the classroom and he's like talking to the kids. Is that is yeah. That's in? Yeah. And yeah. that was funny too. When he's like, yeah, you kid with the Canadian tuxedo on and like the, <laughs> like just the way he was, he's very funny with kids and like they're back and forth too, even though it was like a class of people, like even how that worked was, it worked. It was and, really funny. And I think it's because some of that is really just genuine to him because when he was doing wrestling for a long time, he has a record for doing make a wishes. Like he goes and visits. He yeah, has I visited. Think he's done the most make a wish fulfillments of anybody ever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like ever. And I, and from what I understand, it's not even close. Like mm. he's just, yeah. so there's a part of him that just enjoys that shit like he just kids. yeah he likes being around kids he likes uh the the energy that he brings to that mm-hmm. and kids seem to enjoy him he just has a way with them and i think that comes across on screen just yeah. cuz i wasn't even thinking about the peacemaker episode and yeah you're right he was good in that too so yeah dude this is like this is like a no brainer for like a reboot idea. I think it's a that no he brainer. also is his, like he himself, I could see also kind of being just like a big kid. Like I think personality wise, I could see like that he could be that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but those were, those were the comedic scenes in this movie. Like those were the scenes that like weirdly reminded you of, of moments in the past that were funny. Was John Cena in this eight year old? You know, uh, and then they did some of the weird, dumb things like Jason Statham was beating up a punching bag and then a man in some tidy whities unzipped himself and ran out of it. That is a callback to, to Hobbs and Shaw because they do have that scene in that where he does have people in his punching bags. But also. Why? Like, but why? I totally forgot about that. So oh, now I, I understand. Too. Now I understand the reference. But at the time, I was like, "What the hell was that?" Like, but that's the problem: is it's not a strong enough reference. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. It just feels dumb, and they leave. That's one of the problems in this movie: they linger on shit too much. Like hmm. they let this guy run in real time, like fifty feet, and it just stays on him the whole time. Like it's. It's terrible. Uh, one specific line of dialogue that really bothered me is when Jason Momo was like, I took your friends, I took your family, I took everything from you. And Vin Diesel goes, but you didn't take my car. And I was like, that's a weird way to say that because you're implying that your car is more important than your friends and family. Because you can take those from me and I'm fine. As long as you don't take my car. Yeah. I've got everything I need. 
a little counterproductive to the whole rest of the theme of the movies. Yeah, it's just it's it's just a weird, weird line that's kind of indicative of most of the lines in this movie. Like, it's just so awkwardly done for so much of this movie. But then you have you do have some shiny moments in this that are great. I mean, I'm really kind of happy that we're getting like a Michelle Rodriguez renaissance lately because I don't know if you ever ended up seeing it, Justin, but she's utterly fantastic in Dungeons and Dragons. Just top notch. Yeah. In that movie. And the funny thing is, I need to see all that. I could, all I could think about, like when she's in this movie too, like, because I admittedly even said on that episode that I wasn't a big Michelle Rodriguez fan necessarily. Like I was, I, I kind of slept on her. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't the biggest fan and it mostly was because of like the fast movies and just things I've seen her in. But this, this story after seeing her in Dungeons and Dragons, I was like, so really, I think that she's just not being used the way she needs to be used in most of the things she's in because this movie, the writing and the script and the story of this did not serve her. And it really could have because she's actually a really like dope actor. You know what I mean? Like she's very good. It's just, I think the projects she's in or the writing of the things that she's been in hasn't been able to serve what she can actually do, you know? Yeah. Because her scenes in this were some of the best in the movie. She had a great chemistry with Charlize Theron. So good. And they actually fixed her chemistry a little bit with Vin Diesel in this, like in nine, I was like, their chemistry is zero. But in this one, it was a little bit better. Well, I think it's because they let her act. So, you know, that adds anything. Because, you know, Vin wasn't adding anything. Vin didn't add shit, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Michelle was great in this movie. Um, I There were some really fun scenes with, with, with Jason Momoa. There were times he had this weird, chaotic, metrosexual energy to him. That was really fun, but at the same time, slightly worrisome to me because like, it's a very weird thing in movies like this. that are very much like manly men movies. And then you have the villain being like, come on guys, that's toxic masculine energy. We don't need that. Like, why does the villain have to have the message that's right? Like that's, that's like a weird thing. And I hope it's not like an intentional thing of, you know how like back in the day, like, uh, uh, people that were trans and stuff like that would always end up being a serial killer in a movie. Like, I hope they're not doing that with somebody that's kind of like fluid ish, you know, with what is masculine. I hope they're not saying that that's a villainous thing. It could just be his character choice and he just happened to be the villain. And that's fine. I just hope they don't do a weird no, but you got to be a man message with these movies, which they borderline on sometimes reaching, you know? And so I hope they don't go that far with it. And I'm not saying they are. It's just something that I noticed. And I just want to point that out. That's all. Uh, that's fair. You know, because like I said, like the ridiculousness and like, that's what makes me sad. The ridiculousness in these movies. I'm fine. I mean, we've seen, we've seen Vin Diesel catch a fucking car in one of these movies. We saw him flip a car in this movie with one arm. 
I'm fine with that shit. When he drove down the side of that dam, I'm fine with all that shit. I can deal with all the ridiculousness that these movies want to dole out to me. But don't surround it with a bunch of boring shit or unbalanced shit while we do it. You know, and I think part of the problem is in the last movie and especially in this movie, they are all about splitting up the team. And I hope it's maybe so then that way by like the end of 11 or 12 or whatever, it's so that they can have the end game moment of the teams all back together and they can do all this stuff. But that's where the uh, ever since five, they've been doing really good movies. And then all of a sudden in nine and 10, they're getting weak. And why? Because they're splitting up the teams constantly in these movies. And I think that that's indicative of that problem. Of you don't get that family dynamic of the group that can be one of the stronger elements of this franchise. Couple of tiny things. They need to figure out what they're doing with Jordana uh, uh, Brewster and 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 the character of Brian, because it's starting to get extra awkward when she's in these movies. Like I get why she was in nine because it was her brother also, you know, so that makes sense. But like in this movie, it opens up with a barbecue scene that her grandmother is at. And Brian and her son are nowhere nowhere in sight. Like, I know why Brian's not in these movies. But narratively speaking, it's a it's becoming more jarringly obvious that they don't know what to do. Because like I said, their grandmother is in town. And her child and husband are nowhere to be seen. And then later in the movie, she's babysitting her nephew at Vin's house for... God knows how long the plan was just away from her husband and child. I think an easy way to fix that is have the attempt attempted kidnapping and arrest of them. And then the, the rescue by John Cena have that happen while she's like traveling to a safe house to meet Brian. Like have it happen on the road. Vindy or, you know, John Cena shows up, saves the kid and is like, Hey, you continue, go meet up with Brian. You guys stay safe. Dom told me to come get the kid and I'll take him somewhere. That's perfectly fine. And it actually makes a little bit more narrative sense that she's traveling to her husband, not just sitting on a couch playing a Hot Wheels game. It's just becoming a weird, yeah, that would make more sense. obvious thing that, yes, we understand why. But since they haven't addressed it in a good enough way in the movies, it's starting to become a slight noticeable red flag hindrance in the movies. The final thing I'll bring up, because this is another tiny thing that this movie does. That is one of the things I hate that movies do more than anything. It's when in a franchise, especially they take scenes from other movies and they use them as photographs. God, that pisses me off more than anything. I, I, I had the same thought in this movie. Yep. At one point, they're looking around the garage, and it's just scenes from Fast and Furious movies of the past. 
Yeah. Like, like who took these pictures? But it's also weird <laughs> scenes. Like they're driving on a highway doing a heist. Who the fuck's snapping photos in the middle of this shit, guys? Like there's there's a few pictures where it's yep. just Brian and Vin Diesel's characters that are just standing there. It's Dom and Brian, and they're standing there talking about the plan. No one else was in that building. No one. They were the only two people in that building, yet picture on the wall. Like, it just, I know it's a small thing, but it's so fucking annoying when they do that shit to me. Like, you can't do anything just like behind the scenes pictures. Any, you know what I mean? Just anything else that makes it not look like, oh, you just went, oh, fuck. We need to put some movies in this or pictures in this. Uh, I don't know. Just go do some, like, just Google Fast and Furious franchise images and just get the first 25 images you see on Google. Just do that. We'll cut them up. We'll print them out. Make it work. It's just lazy and awkward, and it never looks right. They never actually look like candid pictures. You know, especially when you've seen the scenes they come from. It's just... It's a dumb thing. And once again, they showed that. And like I said earlier, they lingered way too long on it. Because that's all this movie does is linger. Kind of like the last scene of this movie. Where they're like, yep, we're going to explode this dam on Vin Diesel and his son. And Vin Diesel grabs his son and just starts staring at the dam. And as they like zoom in. And it felt like they were holding that shot for like 57 minutes. That's true. You're right. And then they went from that to Gal Gadot posing for that Dillard's catalog in 1998 for way too long. Uh, Justin, what about you? What are some spoilery thoughts that you had? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with the stuff about Vin Diesel. Like, it just, it, it never, there was never a scene where it felt like his performance enhanced the scene. It, it was always somebody opposite of him who was doing the better acting or adding to the scene. Like the scenes with him and Brie Larson. Brie was killing that shit. And he was just kind of there, you know. But those scenes were the tolerable ones. Like the ones where he was just really just kind of there with somebody else and they were able to just sort of play and have those dynamics with him. And the thing about Fast and Furious is that the dialogue is not the best. So really a lot has to be done with your acting because the dialogue is not of that greater quality. And you could argue that that's, probably most of the franchise. It's not like this franchise has spellbinding dialogue, but when the dialogue isn't as good, the acting stands out more. You know, when you're not hearing anything of interest, you tend to just focus on the person delivering the line and, and how they're acting and what they're saying and stuff like that. Like, it feels like it was just more noticeable in this movie. His, for lack of a better term, inefficiencies. I don't know. It's just, I feel like it was just more noticeable here. And, and I don't know if that was because 
and, and I'm and it makes me wonder why wasn't it more noticeable before? Or, or and, and maybe if I go back and watch those things, it was, or maybe it was that, or maybe they are better written. And so I didn't well, notice it as much. I think part of it is because he's typically surrounded by more people. Yeah. And so maybe you just didn't have time to focus on him. But like you both said, there are a lot of scenes here that where they're asking him to portray this emotional weight and it just wasn't there. And like in this movie, the Momoa character says, you know, I don't want to just kill him. I, I want to see him suffer. It's about the suffering. And he had this like specific goal that Vin, it wasn't just enough to kill Vin Diesel. That wasn't the vengeance he wanted. He wanted him to suffer, you know? Uh, um, I think you know, the so, direct line is uh, death is not good enough when suffering is owed. Yes. When suffering is owed, which probably is one of the better lines. That's you a know, great villain movie. line, is it not? Yeah, th- yeah that fantastic. is a good villain line. That, that is probably one of the better lines in the movie. But as Momoa's doing all of these things, you never got the sense that it was affecting Vin Diesel that much. And, and that's what I mean by his acting. Like, these big things are happening to him, right? But, like, never did I feel like, as the movie was progressing, that this stuff was starting to get to him. Like, he was saying that it was. Like, like whenever he's in bed with um, Michelle Rodriguez and he's like, you know, my son said I'm not afraid of anything, but I am afraid of something. I'm afraid of losing a son and a wife. Like... He said that, and it makes sense for him to say he's a husband and a father, and a father should fear losing a son and a wife. I mean, it has all the logic in the world, but God, man, his ability to emote that, though, with his face and with his voice and, you know, his voice getting a little weaker for that or emotional for that and in what he's saying— it's just not there. And so throughout the movie, Momoa's doing all of this stuff to him. He's one step ahead of him. He's taking this away. He's taking that away. He's targeting people he cares about. He's going after his son. And I just never felt the fear, the this is getting to me, like this is, the, the, this is the darkest hour point for the hero because this villain has really like penetrated me in a way that these other ones haven't, or he is really like getting to me, you know, he's really getting to me and the mind games and everything like that. Like I didn't feel Momoa's villainy wearing on him. Like, the the Vin Diesel I got at the beginning of it, when he's talking to, to Michelle Rodriguez before nothing has happened, where nothing has happened, and he's like, yeah, I'm afraid of losing my son and wife. That's the same Vin Diesel I, I have, like, eight scenes in, and now he's talking to um, Ratcatcher Girl, and she's crying and talking about her sister and everything like that. 
And I killing swear, that performance for sure. Though. Yeah, she killing really that performance. That. Really talking about my sister and uh, you know I I'm nothing like her. And then when it got to him and he's like, "But you are like her," and shit. And I don't know. He just like he isn't matching what these other actors and actresses are doing. And it just that and that was getting to me time after time. I wasn't feeling the effects of the villain like. Like, like when, like when Green Goblin killed Aunt May, you saw it affect, you saw how much it was affecting Peter. You saw that because freaking Tom Holland could portray that this was affecting him. Like in other things, you could tell when Christian Bale, when, when Joker was doing all this shit to Christian Bale, you could tell that it was having an effect on Christian Bale. You could tell it was having an effect on Bruce Wayne. I I didn't get any of that from this guy. You know, I just didn't. And I think so. And, and because there are so many scenes with him and so many scenes required him to do that, to have that emotional weight. And he just was not able to do that. So those scenes just, felt bad and then whenever he didn't have to do that and I could get angry Vin Diesel or I could get confident Dominic Toretto Vin Diesel and all of that stuff he can nail those I'm not saying he's just a terrible actor he should just give up or anything like that movie one Vin Diesel was fine I had no problems with movie one Vin Diesel whenever he was just not required to do that stuff and it was just we just need regular ass Dominic Toretto. Yeah, I'm tough. I'm macho. I'm doing my shit. That's when he shined with the other characters and he was fine. But man, there were a lot of emotional scenes in this where we needed that weight. And he just was not able to do that. He well, he just could not. Why is he better at showing emotion with Groot than he is at, with Dominic Toretto at this point? I don't get that. That's why I disagree with you, Heather, when you call these things a passion project. And why I think they're just a paycheck project for him. Because, like, he's constantly separating himself from people now. Supposedly, from what I've heard, the rumors on set are they're structured like this because he only works with the people he wants to work with. And apparently that's not most of the cast anymore. You know, wow. okay, and that's one of the reasons why they're structured this way over the last two movies. But once again, though, like you, you made me think of a couple of things with this, Justin, because like, hey, the most unbelievable thing in this movie is that he has a semi undressed Michelle Rodriguez in his bed, and he's like, I want to philosophize for a little bit instead, motherfucker. <laughs> there are way better things to do than that. <laughs> Um, and then too, like throughout this movie, you know, like I said, the, the whole message from the villain is, you know, death isn't good enough when suffering is owed. But you, you brought up a good point, Justin, at no point do you actually think Dominic Toretto suffered in this movie? They say exactly. he suffered. Other people suffered. The audience suffered for him you know what i mean like you're like you know as an audience member in general you're like oh no they took his kid 
you saying that is more emotion than Dominic Toretto had when his kid was taken. Yeah. John Cena had more emotion going, hey, brother, I fucked up. They took your kid than Dominic Toretto had when they were like, my kid got took. Yeah. It's a very weird thing. So throughout this movie, then when at the end of it, when Jason Momoa is like, okay, suffering's done, you die. I'm like, but did he suffer? Exactly. And that was the question I had. I feel like part of it too is honestly, I don't, I just don't think Vin Diesel has leading man it factor. Um, Like he's just not the, the actor that can carry a movie himself. He's just not that guy. You've never seen Chronicles of Riddick then. I mean, I haven't. I mean, is he, is he no, able God, to no, carry that? that? Sucks. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, you, there, I could be completely wrong. There is, this there is a Chronicles tells of Riddick me that. sequel. One of the sequels. I think there might be two sequels. It was actually pretty Pitch good. Pitch Black? No, Pitch Black's the first one. Oh, okay. Pitch Black and then he plays the Riddick character in that and then Chronicles of Riddick is the sequel. Um, he's actually good in 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 Pitch Black. Uh, he's I, he's arguably the main character. He becomes the main character by the end of that movie. Um, but Chronicles of Riddick is bad, and then he does another one where he's good. It's just it's whether or not honestly I think he whether or not he truly cares is how much Vin like how much of a good performance you get out of the man. The problem that people have with Brie Larson and Captain Marvel is actually Vin Diesel's problem in this movie and always. <laughs> and that's a fair criticism of him. He is yeah. too wooden. I think it was like he's unfair better of her. in He's better as Groot than any other character that he's yeah. played, in my opinion. Just the different ways he says, I am Groot, is more acting than he did in this right. fucking movie. Yeah. And and it's just a weird thing. I mean, is he a family man in real life? Does he have like kids? Yes. And and the yeah, only he reason does have kids. why I know he has kids is because whenever you know him and the Rock had that falling out, and he was like, "Come on, my kids." I don't know, Steve and John, whatever the fuck their name is, were like, they need their uncle Dwayne. It was very <laughs> okay. awkward. the only reason I knew is because I think he named his daughter after Paul Walker. He named her Paulina or Paula or something like that. Okay. Oh, I thought she named him Paul Walker. And once again, (laughs) I know I said this in the last movie, but God, it is so stupid that that kid's named little Brian in the universe. Like I said, I get it because they they did that because Paul Walker died in real life. But in the context of the movie, Brian is still alive. And it's very weird. I think... And I, I came up with this after this movie. They should have named the kid Paul. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. That, that would have made way more something sense. Like that was, you know, uh, Vin Diesel's grandfather in the movie or something, or, you know, who, you know, something, just something. The first person that gave him a chance when he got out of jail, something. But you named the kid Paul. That would have been more effective and less dumb in the in-movie universe. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But 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 enough on Diesel. So, I mean, pretty much you get what you get with him. And I don't know, speaking of Paul Walker and losing him, maybe because that dynamic is gone, I, I don't know. Maybe Vin 
maybe that's sort of the issue too, is that, you know, Paul Walker brought a certain dynamic to his character and Vin Diesel didn't really have to worry about like that aspect of his character. Cause there was kind of a balancing out thing. So he could kind of be this forward, like one way. And then Paul Walker was kind of the, 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 the more colorful part of that, right. That dynamic. And maybe that's, what's missing. It's like, there's no, the, the, you don't have that character where you don't have to balance. cover you don't have that balance. You don't, he can't, you don't have a character to cover that emotional part so that he can just be straight up Vin Diesel and do it and doing shit. You know, you weirdly, uh, he has punch. to do all of it now. Yeah. Huh? You weirdly beat me to the punch. I was actually going to end this yeah. episode by posing a question to you guys. Because I know in Fast 9, we did theorize that The Rock not being in that movie is one reason why it felt like it didn't have as much soul or heart to it. It felt slightly empty. I was actually going to pose the theory, what if it's actually Paul Walker missing? Because, yeah, Yeah. I know we got Fast 8 after Paul died, but that's, that's kind of fresh, though. You know what I mean? It's a little bit fresher and... You know, so maybe it didn't hit as quickly. But maybe what's missing in 9 and 10 that really actually seals the deal isn't that Dwayne The Rock Johnson wasn't in it, but that Paul Walker wasn't. He's not there to balance out Vin Diesel. Yeah, and Vin Diesel is having to do all of it. He's having to be the macho like, yeah, I can do this. I'm the 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 best driver in the world, which I, I think vid I, I think Dominic Toretto might just be the greatest driver of it of a vehicle in 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 cinema in movie, maybe in all of fiction. I don't know. I mean, if this dude is in a car, I you know, I think he can win anything in a car. He could probably beat Darth Vader in a car. I don't know. And he shouldn't be able to because Darth Vader has the force. But I don't know if Dominic Toretto's in a car, he might be able to do it. I don't know. Like that, th- that's how crazy that fool is when it comes to the car. He's like the best vehicular, like using ass character ever in fiction. But, and he's great at doing all of that stuff. But the emotional stuff, I don't think he had to handle that before. You know, there was another character there to bounce that stuff off of. And now you're asking him to do double duty. And I think that's it's starting. It maybe it took a few movies for me to realize that, but I'm starting to realize it. And you could just definitely see it um, in this movie. Well, one of the things that they did smartly in eight was that he was the pseudo villain for part of it. You know what I mean? He had to betray yeah. his team because you find out that Cypher has his son. So that kind of built in that separation, but it made sense as far as the plot went, especially in a more effective way, you know, cause he was the reluctant bad guy that you, maybe that's why you don't notice the Paul Walker missing as much in that movie. 
But maybe that's what's actually missing in 9 and 10 is Paul Walker. When you're still getting a ton of Vin Diesel by himself in scenes that if if Paul Walker was still alive and doing these movies, you know he would be in every one of those scenes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be there. And, and he and, really was. I, I think he was great in the Fast movies. Paul Walker was a really good, you know, uh, character in the films. I liked him a lot. Yeah. And if he was there... Some of these emotional scenes, Vin Diesel wouldn't have to carry the load on all of those. Paul Walker could do some of that or Paul Walker could be in some of the scenes with them. And that dynamic probably works a little better than just Vin Diesel by himself. So he can carry the emotion better. I think Paul Walker can carry the emotion side of it a lot yeah. better than Vin Diesel can. Yeah. Yeah. So he is missing. I think I think he is missing. And. That's unfortunate to have this realization because you're you're not getting him back. You know, he ain't coming back. Ish. I think he will in 12. You think so? So we'll we'll see in seven in seven when they used his brothers as doubles and they used, you know, old dialogue and all these other things to make the lines they needed him to do. They had extra time. Because since he died, it delayed filming and they had time to iron it out in that. And I think it's better than a lot of movies did with stuff like that. I think they've just, they're working on fucking models and all this other stuff to do a good job of it and have the character back in 12. I think that's another reason why they were like, we'll do a 12 because that gives them like an extra four years Hmm, to get it down to do it. Okay. I think the character's so, coming back in the twelfth one. Well, well, he might. I mean, he just might because I mean, nobody dies in this. I mean, it, it's just apparent that <laughs> no, nobody really dies. Like this is starting to remind me of like Days of Our Lives soap operas, or oh, like this is comic books in the nineties and two thousands. Like, yeah. Or, or even like some anime, like some shonen anime with Dragon Ball Z or something like that. Like these the motherfuckers good guys become, just coming back like Goku all the time. Exactly right. That's what this is. It's like DBZ with cars, man. Rivals become good guys. You know, bad guys become good guys. Anybody who dies comes back to life. Uh, the the you know you, you've got all these the the sun dynamic. This the the this evil villain person. I don't know. It just the ultimate evil villain person, but that's kind of eccentric and a little weird and stuff like that. But is super powerful and is able and is just as formidable as a hero. I don't know. It, it's just it, it's just drawing a lot of parallels with that stuff at this point. But just to speak about Momoa really quickly, though. Yeah, he totally was, to me, like a mix of those Joker characters. That scene where you, you have the two dead people, and they were part of the crew, right? They were part of, that That, that was... Um, those were the two nerds that he took from Cypher. That's, okay, okay, that's who they were. Okay, I, I don't know why I was having trouble, like recognizing them okay that makes sense their faces were taped up (laughs) yeah maybe that's what it was a little bit of that but that scene where he's kind of painting the toenails and talking to the dead bodies but he's more or less kind of talking to himself 
that reminded me hella of Batman 89 Joker when Nicholson electric shocked barbecued that guy with a electric hand buzzer and then he was sitting there talking to the barbecued charred remains of that dude and was laughing and giggling and stuff like that I was like okay and then just some of his mannerisms like the whole like when when his plan is coming to fruition and all the swaying and the dancing and doing all of that stuff just a lot of his performance reminded me of Nicholson Joker. I, I just saw a lot of Nicholson Joker in this um, with, with his performance. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they asked him, where did you, if they asked him, you know, did you draw from any inspirations from this performance? I'd, I'd almost be surprised at this point if he didn't say Nicholson Joker, I would be really surprised or, and if that was written for him to act that way, because I don't know how much of this was Momoa's improv versus how the character was written. And if it was written that way, then the writer is totally I, I just saw a lot of parallels in that. I'm going to argue based on the writing for the rest of the movie. They did not write that for him. Like OK, that. I'm just okay. saying based on the rest of the movie. I don't think that they are that nuanced. Okay. Yeah. You got a point with that. So yeah, you're right. The likelihood is it was him. And and if that's, and if so, I just like that he went for it, man. He seemed to be having a lot of fun and he seemed to, and I think I enjoyed his scenes because he seemed to be enjoying himself. He obviously wasn't taking this like, super serious or anything like that. And he just totally wanted to be kind of off the wall, but kind of to the point we were making about the chaos character with just this incredible planning. And that's what I mean by ledger joker, man, this dude was just 10 steps ahead of everything. I mean, all this stuff would happen. All this stuff would happen. Like lanes, uh, highways blown up this vehicle and that vehicle. I mean, Dominic Toretto freaking, you know, made two helicopters collided to each other. They've gone all the way to, and now they're on the street of this dam and everything. And he's like, ha, you're exactly where I want you. And I'm like, man, you calculated all of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing that drives me nuts about that, that, that archetype is they are chaos gods, but the most well-organized people ever. Yeah, like, you anticipated all of this shit. Or, or you know, like, or like when he walked in, uh, you know, with, with Charlie Theron, which I enjoyed that scene, too, um, whenever he took her group and everything. But, my God, the planning and the timing and everything that you would have had to have done to get those videos to upload of people's kidnapped people. I mean, the coordination that you would have had to have had to do all of that, like in those moments and stuff like that. So it's funny, but like, uh, so all of that is just funny and just kind of outlandish and shit, but the dude was having fun with it. And I just really appreciated him. So I'm glad that we, um, 
are going to get more of him because I think his dynamic with some of the returning characters that we're going to get could be fine. Um, a couple of other things, Heather, and I promise I'll let you go. Um, I, I agree about Han being underutilized, but I'm holding out hope for Han. I like the scene with him and Statham up until somebody came out of a body bag. But that was interesting to me, that kind of awkward tension that they had. And then they had that little fight and everything. And Han was kind of like, I'm not trying to fight you, man, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I want to see more of that. I'm hoping that in the later movie, they though I'm scared because we got to do some Hobbs and Shaw shit too. But I'm hoping that that dynamic with Han and and uh, Shaw leads to some more shit. I would kind of like because to that's see a good Hobbs, dynamic. Shaw and Han. Oh. That could be something. That could be something. A little HHS. I like that. I, th- I think that could be something. That that could you could actually do something with that. Just the awkwardness of those two. So I hope that that is a dynamic that they play around with more because I think it would make Han more interesting. It would give him something to do, and there could be this arc there about maybe them, you know, becoming family members. Because they're definitely not family. You know what I mean? Just after that one scene. So maybe that's the arc of Han. You know, maybe that's something that you can play with. So I'm holding out hope for Han. I'm hoping, I'm thinking he'll be more interesting in the later movies with these characters that he can bounce off of. So holding out hope for Han. Um, The last thing I'll say is just that I, I do agree with the length of the movie Man, that was a long movie to end on a cliffhanger and hardly anything resolved, (laughs) you know. I mean, that was a long-ass movie. I feel like if we were just going to end it on a cliffhanger, probably could have been shorter. You know what I mean? Especially if you're going to end with it just being like, this is a part one of three. Damn, a two-hour, 40-minute. How long is part two going to be? Are we going to be Lord of the Rings? Final Thing, or Fast and Furious 12 is going to be six hours long. It, it, might, it might have to be because you have so many characters in it by then. Watch it. You, After 11 <laughs> and they film 12, they're going to be like, all right, 12 is actually going to be released in two parts. <laughs> yep, you watch. <laughs> this tri- like this, These two <laughs> movies that were supposed to end it, it's going to end up being five movies. <laughs> they'll they'll do part two is going to be in two parts and part three is going to be in three parts. They're going to end up and doing this something. It's going to be stupid. like eighty. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's going to wind up being. I mean, gosh, how long that that movie's going to be? But like at the end of this, though, you see a lot of vehicles blow up, and it seems like characters are dead. And I mean, I just know none of them are dead. I, I just know because at this point. Why would you kill them? Like at this point, like surely we're not going to kill them there. We got two other movies coming. So you didn't feel like anybody died. You you didn't, you didn't feel like anything happened 
as far as that is concerned. So, yeah, that when you even th- and that just to me more even makes me think about this length and go, man, dude, did it need to be this long? Because I know you didn't kill anybody. And I get wanted to end on a cliffhanger and stuff like that. But and I get we have to do two other parts. But man, dude, did it have to be that long for just a cliffhanger movie like a bridge movie to get us to these other movies? So, yeah, man, I was definitely feeling the length of this, too. Um, So I just wonder if we could have just made some better decisions as far as that. And I Uh, feel like the reason that it suffers as like a to be continued type of movie is because most movies that do that are these like epic sagas. And like I know some people think probably fast is like a super (laughs) epic thing. But like the storyline and how they do things in these movies, I don't feel like it warrants you being so invested in like a to be continued for these. You know what I mean? Because they're already kind of movies that after they end, you know, it's going to be continued because, you know, they're going to make more and more and more like the to be continued is kind of like this false anticipation that they're trying to build when you don't really need that. You could have just ended it on a different note and still everything they're going to have in the next movie still be there. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like this movie isn't, it doesn't warrant needing a to be continued for any reason. So I think that is kind of why it feels like, and you, like you said, like nothing's resolved either. So it's like you had this almost two and a half hour long movie that doesn't resolve anything and it brings more questions than anything without ends. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. And and I mean, who knows? I don't know. It's not like I have a better idea of how they could have ended it, but I don't know. It just felt really weird to end it with, okay, these characters are in this vehicle. It blows up. This character blows up in a vehicle. Oh, no, are they dead? And then it's like, uh-oh, but now what's going to happen to Dom? It, it was just a very weird way I think to end that you might've almost have been better served if the characters were alive, but maybe they were about to face some danger or they're, you know, they're in a vehicle and, you know, some people are after them and they, and then they're trapped somewhere. It looks like they may not get away in this car, or it looks like, I don't know. I just don't know if I would have made it seem like so many people were dead. I feel like we just kind of know they're not. And Maybe there could have been a better way to cliffhang this thing. I don't know. I think maybe you could have ended that whole chase and he takes the sign. And maybe you have this whole thing of Dom going, no, no. And, you know, and it's like, and then John Cena pulls up and he's like, damn, man, we failed. And they're looking down and and maybe the, the, the plane lands and Tyrese and, all of them get out and they're like, what happened, Dom? And he's like, he's got my son. And then you see the the helicopter flying away and, you know, he's got Dom's son. And Dom is just like, fuck, man, we failed, man. We all failed. And all of them look like, damn, dude, we didn't win this time. And it ends like that or something. I don't know. I, I just think maybe there was a better way to do this, but... I digress. I'll let you talk. <laughs> I'm going too long now, like the movie was. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I mean, 
And the thing is, I will say I went into this movie thinking that just based off of the the trailer that they did, I actually thought they were going to bring Paul Walker back in this for long enough to have him as one of the people killed off. I thought that's what they were going to do because in the trailer, they talk up this big thing about, oh, like not all of us might make it back from this. And uh, Jason Momoa's character being like, I'm going to take everything you care about. And like, it just felt like that might be what they were going to do with this. Um, and so they weren't. And and since they didn't do it in this movie, I've definitely come to the conclusion that they just aren't going to kill him off in these movies, which is completely fine because I get why they don't want to, you know what they want him to be alive in this world because he's not in real life. So I get it. Um, I just honestly thought that's what they were going to do with this movie. Um, because of even seeing like glimpses of Paul Walker in the trailer. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's what it felt like it was building up to, which I think even damn, though Heather, I'm fine. Now that you say that, sorry to cut you off, but damn, now that you said that would have been a hell of a way. The to motivation though, like, right? They get the sun back. Everything's cool. And then, but he killed Paul Walker and they don't know. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. And like the motivation that that would bring to the movies of like, the revenge and the everything that everybody, every character in that movie would be like, we got to get this guy or something, you know, like, I feel like that would have been a great motivation for the furthering the story, but I do get why they didn't do it. It just, I feel like that would have been a good way to push it forward. You know? I mean, you think about it, like you could have had the whole, the plane got shot down, but Vin gets his son back. And then it's just, Mia's calling him and then he answers his phone and she's just crying and she goes, Brian's dead. They took my son. Yeah. Do you know how intense that would be to end the movie that way? So going into the second movie, they've got to save Mia's son, you know, and all this shit like, yeah. Which would also be a way to bring her back as well. Yeah. Dog. I get why they don't want shit. to because they, they don't want to kill the character of Brian because Paul's dead. Like, I I totally understand. I respect it. it. Yeah, but you have to write better if you're going to have that character still be alive and should be there. You, you've you got to write better. You did a good job with how you had him leave in seven of, hey, I've Correct. got a family. I've got to stay out of this. But then... You know, eight rolls around and Vin's got a family now. And then nine rolls around and his wife's back in it. Yeah, Mia's back. Yeah. And then ten rolls around and Dom is still doing is doing the exact thing Paul doesn't want to or Brian doesn't want to do because he has kids. Vin's still doing that. And his kids helping with it. You know, like you do have to address it better. And if you really wanted to do great writing and great storytelling and a great cliffhanger ending to really send this franchise out. Maybe you're right, Heather. Maybe that's how 11 needs to end then. Man. Cause that'd like, be some shit. Like, like what you said, Mia calling to him, like going back home and she's calling to him and like, yeah. Stakes are no super response. high at that Dude, point because of that. Think about yeah. this. To end 11, they capture Jason Momoa. They get him. They catch him. It's over. And then he gets the call. 
and he the, like Brian's dead. They took my son. And Jason Momoa's character goes, if I don't walk out of here in five minutes, the kid's dead. <laughs> and they have to let him go at the Man. end of 11. And that's how you start 12 then. If they didn't do it now, you know what I mean? Maybe that's how you end 11 then. Yeah. I think that would be great writing and storytelling. But I honestly just have a feeling that if they didn't do it in this movie, I don't think that they're going to do it in the movies at all. Because of the whole idea of we want him to still be alive in the movies, which is it's fair and understandable why. But again, I do agree that the storytelling aspect would be like the stakes would be so high. The intensity of that. I mean, Wakanda forever did it with Chadwick. They I mean, they didn't really obviously have a choice either. But like the way that they kind of sent him off in that movie, they did it in a really great, respectful, awesome way that you you pull on the heartstrings and you feel the emotions of that. And that could be something that fast, you know, 12, 13, 27 could do, you know, like it just, it, it's something that they could do and it would be very impactful because you even think about um, seven fast seven. That's probably one of my favorite ones. I think that's a great movie and kind of you feel, you kind of felt that send off that they did for him because obviously that's the one where he passed away but you kind of felt that like you felt, I feel like fast seven had more emotion than any other movie because of that. But it's not even just the fact that he had passed during that movie, but it's the way that they ended that with his character. You felt it. And I feel like that's what we've been missing is that like emotional aspect from any of the ones after that, you know? And then they did that send off with that Wiz Khalifa, Charlie Puth song that has yeah. 4 billion streams on Spotify. <laughs> Yeah, and you yeah, you can't beat it. I mean, that was the It's great. It's perfect. Yeah. And then unfortunately, yeah. I think in don't get me wrong, I understand they essentially wanted to do right by Jordana Brewster. Right. They wanted to yeah, do yeah. right by her. Like they wanted to keep her in the franchise. She's been in it since the first movie too. And it's kind of unfair to her that they would have to write her out of the movie also. So I get why they keep bringing her back, but you got to make some smarter decisions and you got to make some hard decisions. I mean, even with her character, they could have had her still be involved, but like doing, you know, like phone calls, like, Hey, we need your help researching this. And like, Hey, hold on. Yeah. I'm putting my kid down and Brian's going to bed and then I'll help you or something. You know what I mean? Like where you're still well, she could saying be, that he's alive, but she's helping separately yeah, or something. You know what I mean? Have her be the Oracle then in like the Batman universe. Uh, the eyes in the yeah. sky, the the person that sits there and looks up technical things and all this other stuff. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. Coordinates things. Or they whatever. have ways they could have done it for sure. Yeah. You know, and that would have still been a little weird because then it's like, oh, Brian's always like putting the kid down or, oh, Brian's outside f f fixing his car. I'll tell him you called. They would have to do that, that he's always doing something anytime they call her. But. That's still le less ridiculous than him not being there for the grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they even it could be like this off screen thing happening, like she's talking off camera, supposedly to him. I mean, they did that when he technically pulled up. Was it in eight or nine when he pulled up in the car and then it is the end of nine? Like, it's yeah. the end of nine. So that his it's, car pulls up. They've they've done that before where it's like this off off camera thing that he's still involved. So it could be something like that, like. She's talking to him in the background while she's on this call, you know, so it still feels like 
I don't know. It, there, there were better ways they could have done it. You're right. Cause it makes more sense than he's just never around for any of the family stuff for grandma, for the fact that my nephew and my best friend are about to be killed or whatever it is. You know, it's just, you know, man, I, Heather, know. It's, it's I, I love your idea. And now I'm going to be mad if I don't get that idea because <laughs> I feel like it would add some layers to the Dominic character. It would, you know, I just feel like it would add some layers to him. Then we would get to see them have a funeral and we would get to yeah. see the characters grieve. And I mm-hmm. think they could draw some genuine emotion from that for those people who really were close to yeah. Paul Walker and stuff like that. And you can that kind would push of, Vin Diesel's acting for sure, because it would be pulling off of real emotion. Yeah. yeah. And you could kind of give his death and his inability to be in the franchise a, a, a proper send off. Now the send off that they did in seven was cool. And it was kind of done yeah. in a subtle way. Like we knew what was happening, but, but then he's kind of like still alive. And I think it would be cool to, to see that moment play out, you know, n- not yeah. for just what it would do for the acting and stuff like that. But I think that that would be a cool way to send off, Paul Walker, the actor, and thank him for what he's done and stuff like that. I I, I think I would kind of want to see that. I know we've seen that in other movies and other things and stuff like that before. Like you mentioned Black Panther, but I don't know. I think a moment like that would definitely help with the emotion of this franchise. Well, the send-off in Seven would have been perfect if they hadn't tiptoed around Brian's still being in the universe for three more movies afterward. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, unfortunately, because I understand also that they want to do right by Jordana Brewster, but if her not being in the other movies was if that she wasn't in the other movies, it would have been fine because you still have this believable thing of, you know what? He's out. She's also out, but they're living a happy life together. But, you know, and you can reference them like, Hey, you know, have you seen them lately? Yeah, they're doing great something like that. And it would mean not having Mia in the films, but it would also kind of make sense because it's like, you know what? We're both out. We're both out of it. We're both not into this anymore because we're raising our family, you know? And that would have been the, the, the only other fix I can think of for it is just unfortunately not having Mia come back in the other films. And then you don't have to tiptoe around it as much. But again, I, I get why they did it. And sort of like what Sterling said, with nine with um was it jacob was uh john cena's character her being involved with that yeah because that's her brother and that makes sense which also that is a weird thing too of again his character being so different in this film they were so like cool with each other in this film (laughs) like she's like okay love you brother you know just like really like a completely different bond than before when they hadn't talk to him in how long i think Man, they acted in the ninth like eight years had passed and he's been at a barbecue every weekend for eight years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made up for all the lost time for sure yeah that's exactly what it felt they like they were going to family therapy they talked some stuff <laughs> they worked through it you all know, they went to some anger management classes they did family paintball gatherings you know, yep. everything just <laughs> solved all the family problems within a year, <laughs> within one year of time or however long it's been. But I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to just base it off little Brian 
And like, cause he's what? <laughs> yeah, nine? that's true. He was like yeah. two in the other movie. Now he's nine. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a good way to judge the time gaps. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I think as unfortunate as it is, and like as much as I do respect and kind of part of me does like that they kept Paul Walker's character alive in these films, furthering the story, um, it might mean that they need to in some way kill him off. And I just don't think it's going to happen. But if they wanted a better script and a better like moving story behind it, that's what they unfortunately I think have to do. That feels like the, the next thing that they would need to do to pull that high stakes thing for it. You know, um, I think another actually kind of underrated like duo that I actually would like to see more of was, um, Ludacris's character with, uh, Ramsey, the, the girl from game of Thrones. Like I actually kind of think that they had a decent dynamic with each other in the moments we got to see them sort of playfully like talking to each other. I think that could have been something to explore a little more because if I'm being honest, their dynamic was a thousand percent more like enjoyable than his with Tyrese in this film. (laughs) Well, that's the problem is they've been kind of showcasing that for like since eight roughly. I mean, ever Mm -hmm. actually ever since she came in, because they've kind of always had the thing where, you know, they flirt with each other. But like lately, they always hamstring them with fucking Tyrese. They have to put Tyrese (laughs) with them. Yeah. So yeah. like they so can you have don't a get moment to explore of that genuine more. connection and then he can just roll in and fuck it all up. <laughs> With his coat of money that he randomly strapped on himself for who knows what reason. Fuck like, that entire plot point. What was that? Oh my, gosh. oh my God. That whole arc was just a bad idea, bro. They, like that whole arc of, <laughs> oh, I want to be a leader, a leader, as he said it. Um, and trying oh to gosh. prove himself and not really, but then Ludacris <laughs> just being like, nah, you a good leader, dog, even though there was no evidence of it. It's, it's your bad ass. Even though you almost killed <laughs> all of Rome. <laughs> you're cool, bro. <laughs> you're cool, bro. We're still boys. The fact that you care means you're a good leader. I don't remember what he said to him, but something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. We, yeah, we're all boys. <laughs> Man, we needed another, we needed a better idea than that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was almost like the definition of like phoning it in for that storyline. Well, yeah. That's, that's what it felt like. And what was with the random like LeBron dustings they were doing? Like it, during that fight, they're just dust appeared out of nowhere. Like <laughs> they, they were weaponized, like weaponized <laughs> dust they had out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it the whole thing didn't make sense. That was just the biggest letdown in the whole movie, and all it was was to lead up to a decent Jason Statham Han action sequence moment between themselves yeah. and those guys that showed up. That part was cool, yeah. but also like, how pointless is the agency where they come in every door but the door that the other characters are in? They come in through everywhere else, but not the the side door. <laughs> They're going to get caught that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. You can tell where this movie's priorities were. Yeah. And they were the rest of it was filler. They were yeah. not always in the right place. 
Correct. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that that dynamic could have been something really cool. And I actually, um, like we said, um, Alan Richton's character, um, handsome agency man that was double-crossing everybody, he was good, too. Like, and him and Brie Larson's scenes together I enjoyed as well. I thought that was a good dynamic. He had a sneaky good joke when he's like, when he's like, I don't have any family and I don't like barbecues. That was a that was a sneaky <laughs> funny joke. That. See, that's yeah. how you deliver a joke in a better way, Tyrese. No offense, but I'm just saying. No, all the offense. Like, <laughs> fuck Tyrese. Like, get funnier, bro. Like, talk to some people. Uh, <laughs> like, get some comedy lessons before you fucking film Eleven, dude. What was was he? He was in Venom too, right? He was the cop. Yeah. He was the cop. Why was he better in that than this? And he's been playing this character for 10 years. Like, cause they just had it be nothing the, in the other movie. He wasn't funny. He wasn't trying to be funny and he is always trying to be funny. He's just, movies. that's the problem. Cop guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's just cop guy. Just there. And no offense yeah, to right. ice T, but if ice T can be a cop for 22 years on television, <laughs> anybody can play cop guy for a fucking hour and a half. You're not wrong. But you know what? Ice T is it's because he's so believable as just a normal real person. <laughs> That's why it works. But yeah, you're right. If he can do it, so many other people could also do it. Like I just I don't know. And and it's a bummer because like I said, I like Ludacris and I like his character. He is actually a very good actor. He was also in Crash, if you remember. Like he's very good with the drama. He's actually good with the funny. Like between him and Tyrese, like he's the one that has the funny comebacks and the funny stuff. If there is any, like I, I want more from him because I enjoy his character, but Tyrese just, I don't know. They needed to figure something else out with him. Cause it's just not working. Like it's just not, like, but it, I don't know. I mean, Tyrese has been in this franchise for what? So they're 10, so eight movies. Yeah. And he's had like one funny line in eight movies that I, I still think that joke he did in what was it? Nine when he was like, I think we're invincible. I do think <laughs> that that was a funny scene. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That Outside was, that, that was pretty good. He hadn't been shit. The funniest thing he's been involved in is that scene in, I want to say seven, six or seven when Hob shows up to the barbecue and he's like, uh oh, everybody hide your baby oil. And then, mm-hmm. you know, The Rock comes back saying something about his bald head or something like that. Or maybe it's the other way. I don't remember. <laughs> and Ludacris yeah, yeah. spits his drink mm-hmm. because that was actually a real reaction. The Rock ad libbed his joke back and it, yeah. caught Chris, it caught Ludacris off guard and he spit his drink. That was actually a real thing. So outside of that, Tyrese has been in two funny scenes in all of his stuff. And only one of them was him saying something funny. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. There was just, he was the butt of the joke. Everything (laughs) in this, just every single line he said that was supposed to be funny in this movie. None of them landed. None of them. Mm -mm. He had the same like shooting percentage I would have from half court. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just it just didn't work i don't i don't get it but he's still in the movies and it is what it is but yeah i just think 
they need to do more with them going forward or else you're just going to not, I already don't care about the characters, but you're not going to care even more. <laughs> like it's, that's just what it is. But I don't know. I, I feel like the, um, what is her name? Isabel, the one that was Elena's sister. She honestly, the potential of her and like, I actually hope she does come back in another movie, even though you're right. She might not. I think she could be like a really cool, like surprise person in another movie where she just kind of comes in and helps out for whatever reason, because she was solid. Like she put in a good performance for the five minutes she was in that movie. She was more believable than Tyrese has been in 10 years, but, not to keep harping on him, but man, just that whole, throwing that out there. That whole race scene with her, the speaking of Vin Diesel, not reacting like he should. <laughs> when Jason yeah. Momoa is blowing those people up and he's just like, I'm going to blow them up. Diego blows up and Vin Diesel goes from this before he blows up to this right after he blows up. And he's like, Oh, we're going <laughs> to blow up the other one. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just about like, what right. The fuck was all that? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about accurate on that and then you know like you said justin like it was i don't remember which one of you said it but like how she had that really nice and eloquent and an emotional diatribe that he's like you're like your sister <laughs> and you're like all right i gotta go thanks dog <laughs> yeah. put, put a nice big old bow on that scene thank you for that that insight <laughs> thanks for Thanks for getting the lid off the jar after it was already untwisted, basically. Yeah, it's, I don't know. He he just isn't. I mean, and, and that that's scene was about as effective as putting on a condom after you nut. I mean, it. <laughs> what was the point of all that? <laughs> like, I get the sentiment. You know, you want to be safe and all, but too late <laughs> it's too late <laughs> oh my goodness oh man <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh shit oh man but i mean and i think that's why as much as i feel like jason momoa's character was very like hit or miss with what worked and didn't with what he did he has this charm and he has this magnetism about him and his presence that makes you care more about what he's doing than anything that uh, Vin Diesel was doing in this movie. You know, he just has some kind of presence about him and that's never really been Vin Diesel's forte. Like he's just not that person with a, you know, intriguing presence about him and anything. So I don't know. I feel like Sterling, you might know this because I know I know Jason, you don't really watch Psych, but do you remember that Fast and Furious episode of Psych? And do you know who's a better Dominic Toretto than Dominic Toretto? Adam Rodriguez from that episode. He That's was that character slightly, and he was way better at it. It's slightly unfair. Because I think mm -hmm. Dom is fine up until nine. <laughs> but the thing is, he's still I don't, it's, I guess it just, yeah, it feels like you, you feel it more in, in those because of what we talked about, but I don't know. Adam Rodriguez just like 
from the bat, he could do all the scenes by himself and you feel everything he's doing. Like it's actually the best thing I think I've seen Adam Rodriguez do. And that's really sad because it's like one episode, but I'm not as high on that that episode as you are though. Yeah, that's true. I love that episode, but it's cause it's the fast and five, like, uh, you know, mocking it and it's funny, but it's making fun of the first two, maybe more specifically the first fast and furious. I don't give a fuck about that movie. I don't Mm -hmm. care about Fast and Furious 1 through 3. I only care about the end of (laughs) 4. Yeah. And it's becoming harder to care the more movies they've done. Yeah. Well, and like, I remember in 9, remember when they randomly brought back What's-His-Face from the Tokyo Drift movies out of nowhere for no reason at all? I forgot his name. He got them into outer space. Sure. It's Lucas Black's character and Bow Wow's character. I don't Lucas Black. I don't remember that. I don't remember the character's name. Like Billy. I mean, I guess I guess there was a reason for it, but I'm just like I I absolutely could have gone my entire life without seeing him in these movies again. Like he's just You know he's gonna be absolute worst. He's gonna be you know they're gonna do an Avengers moment in twelve. That's probably when your girl Ratchetcatcher two is going to be in it again. They are all going to come yeah. back and have an epic, you know, ninety seven car street race to beat Jason Momoa in twelve. Yeah, probably. Yes, Cardi Every B cat. coming back. Your girl Cardi B coming back. Right, like all this stuff. Like they did all these cameos, <laughs> but like Cardi B couldn't come back. I mean, right. Also, why did they waste? Fucking Dame Helen Mirren's fucking time with her fifteen Two seconds minutes. of scene. <laughs> yeah, what was that, that bro? I mean, come Helen on, fucking Mirren, you don't waste her time like that. What are yeah. you doing? And also, what's her name? Yeah. Rita Moreno. Yeah, why? Is she, why waste her time? Why is she in this movie? I don't. I don't care if you waste her time as much. I'm not as big yeah. on her as I am Helen Mirren, but still, for sure, she is an acting but... legend. Don't waste your yeah. time yeah, either. She's an Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah, she's a legend. So it's like it was like somebody was like, "She's a legend. We'll have her in it." But yeah, dude. Yeah. But which I mean, yeah, it's cool to that see. That could have been anybody. That kid, yeah. she, anybody could have been that grandma. Right there. Yeah. Like, like, and don't get me wrong. I've got nothing against Pete Davidson, but why did he have more screen time than <laughs> either of those two? True, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Helen Mirren was doing this like on a day off from doing um, Shazam two or something. Like, <laughs> no, so maybe that's. She was like, you know what? I got a free day. Let so me just put in my two her. cents. She, yeah. Oh man, she was in Shazam, and then she was in this. Like, man, I'm like, come on, Helen. I'm not blaming her. I just feel bad for her. Yeah. Same thing with Michelle Rodriguez. Like there's better things for you and this is what you're in right now. I don't know. Yeah, Justin go. Yeah. You need to watch dungeons and dragons dog. Like sneakily, probably the best, one of the, my favorite movies of the year so far. And Michelle sure. Rodriguez is so good. My favorite thing she's done. Like she's so, so good. good. It's insane. Yeah. Really? Chris Pine yeah. is also it will actually in it. make you slightly more upset at this movie for not having more <laughs> yeah. Michelle Rodriguez in it. 100%. And I mean, you got Charlize Theron, who is also an Oscar winner, and you want to give her 
the bare minimum screen time that you can possibly give her. And I don't know. And again, at least they utilized the two of them. Like for what screen time they did have, they did the best they could with it. But I'm like, you two. And that was one scene, though, I will say that drove me nuts. Because when Charlize Thur- or Cypher, when she comes to Dominic's house and she's been shot or whatever, she's bleeding. What was that? She was stabbed. Stabbed. Okay. Yeah. So when she comes there and like <laughs> that, I think was like the worst part acting wise from him was like, he opens the door and one second in, he's like, whatever he says about why should I talk to you? Like immediately, like there, he wasn't like, what are you doing here? Or any, he was just like, I shouldn't be talking to you or whatever weird, like immediate thing he went into with that. And I'm like, this doesn't feel believable. It just feels like you're reading a script right now. This is not a dynamic that makes sense right now. It's so well, weird. It was it was about like, why should I listen to your final words? Did you listen to, you know, my baby mama's final yeah. words? It was that whole thing. But right. to me, the weirdest thing about that is whenever he like pinned her up against the wall and he does that r- weird growl. Yeah. 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 yeah I was he's like, like mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Being. It was a nice effort. I was like, that's a weird choice. Yeah. You're going all incredible Hulk without turning green. It's a little weird. Yeah. It was just not, but then they get in the house. Michelle Rodriguez comes down. She's like, yeah, all right. We got an unwanted guest. Let me get my gun. (laughs) Like that was just a better bit with it than anything that Dominic and Cypher had together. So yeah, I don't know. I just, and, and again, it's not like that's a new thing. I, Vin Diesel has never been the best part about the fast movies for me personally. So it's not like a complete change. And at least the change they did do with John Cena's character was a positive change. So it, there, there are worse things they could have done, but I just feel like it was such a hodgepodge of things happening in this movie that storylines that could have been built out better um, or more focused on than other stories, like the whole um, uh, agency thing with uh, Rich Sin or whatever, like a little bit more of that would have been kind of cool too to see. I don't know. I just feel like they, they really didn't focus on the best parts about this movie, if that makes sense. So it, I don't know. Again, it's one of those where I do want to see if they make it better. Um <laughs> in in like the next few because like like sterling said is it because the rock is missing is it because paul walker is missing is it both maybe like because i think what was it i mean the second third whatever movies up until five they were not like great and we were like why are we still making these and then five reset it and made them so much better and i don't think anybody really thought that was a possibility because of how many of them were just non-starters and then it changed so it's possible to do it again who knows maybe having the rock back will change it i don't know but you're right if they're gonna do that they better have him and john cena like i didn't even think about that until you said it but i'm like oh my gosh that's the perfect opportunity to get something that everybody will probably watch the entire movie just to see whatever scene they might have together You guys got any more thoughts about this? 
Nope. No, sir. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers uh, podcast on Facebook, uh, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok, at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Give us a five-star rating and review in your app of choice. I'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. It's got to be Jason Momoa. It's got to be. There. Uh, just remember here at the Cinema Search Podcast, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. Uh, remember, keep it safe. Put the condom on before you nut. Uh, Justin would like me to note that he likes Burger King. <laughs> We're pro Burger King. Pro Thank BK. you for that Vin Diesel level line delivery you just did right there. I said that oh, right, no. Justin. You are you're pro Burger King. Yeah, I'm a BKP. He hasn't eaten whatever there in, that was. He hasn't eaten there in like a year and a half, but you know, he's pro them. Uh, hey, I drove by and that Burger King is open now. Isn't that neat? <laughs> you still didn't eat there though. Huh? But you could you, uh, if you, you could, wanted to. You could continue now. <laughs> no need to go any further into it. As I was in the podcast, the YouTube videos and the TikTok, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. So you didn't even go there for its grand reopening, Justin? I drove by and smiled. You didn't stop in and get a, a bacon king and a, and a crown? I smiled really big when I saw it. I went, oh, it's open. And I just kept driving. It's progress. <laughs> I just, I love how you're so pro Burger King that you just refuse to eat it. I just, um. Is it because if you know time. if you eat it? It won't be good. And you'll be like, man, I've been so pro Burger King for this shit. <laughs> Look, we're, I'm not going to divulge any of those things to you. I just all I'm saying is that it opened up and I was happy about it. I was really excited about it. Drove by and continued my day. So of not eating Burger King. I just really like that idea of you just driving by and going, I'm so excited. I'm not going to eat there still. <laughs> and kept driving. Yeah, I kind of did. I did, but I smiled. I smiled at it. I smiled at the franchise. That's you all sm- I wanted to do, man. They said I could have it my way. That's all I wanted to do. I had some enthusiasm about it. You should have been there. You really should have been there and saw the smile and enthusiasm I had when I saw it. And you'd be like, "That's enough." He didn't. I would. I. I I totally get it, Justin. I get a smile on my face every time I pass a Burger King and make the smart decision of not eating there too. (laughs) That makes me happy. I get it. I get. I get your reaction. I'm proud every time I don't eat there because I know I'm making good life choices. 
Wow. I didn't mean it like that. That's exactly but how you meant it. It will forever be a thing. Don't worry. <laughs> One day I'm going to eat there. You mark my words. Okay. Who are you convincing here, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> Man, dude, I just, I just wish they were. You know, I'm glad that they're now open to were you not say better? your business. <laughs> were you about to say, I wish they were better? <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was just trying to say, I wish that they, they were actually so good. Many stores, that they had <laughs> so many stores closing. I wish okay. everybody could see <laughs> what I see. When I drive Justin, by there. That's the thing, is they do see what you see. That's why they're not fucking eating there either. <laughs> Justin, I don't think you understand how much of us, how much we as a collective society agree with you. There's no point in eating there. Is that why the stores are closed? Yeah, because they're not making money. Because <laughs> no one's eating there. People are driving by, glad that they're there, but they're not going to eat there. <laughs> well, I don't want to see them go. I mean, could you imagine a world without Burger King? Yes. It's called a utopia. <laughs> Man. I, I have I a theory. That once Burger King finally closes down, there are no longer stores. World peace will be achieved. <laughs> you gotta stop, man! Like, well, maybe what? Maybe can it'll just name, become can rare. Can you name one war that started before Burger King was a franchise? You can't. <laughs> they only started when Burger Kings were around. All, all watch <laughs> one day Burger King is gonna like sponsor us, and you gotta change your tune. I would never allow that. Oh, just turn it down altogether. He would never allow it. Just never. But I think they could. They just need to become rare. Maybe they could have so few stores that it becomes like a rare thing. Like, hey, you know, there's only five of them left. You got to come and you got to come to one of these Burger Kings because they're not around. They're not everywhere. Is is that Hastings and Midland still open, Justin? It's an entertain mart now, so the answer is no. The building hey, is open. Entertain mart is yes. a good store. I used and to love doing, entertain mart. Yeah, yeah, it's doing the same thing as Hastings, but is but no, Hastings is not open. I I don't know what an entertain mart is at all. It's not a place you would ever go because it's just like physical copies of DVDs and like things mm-hmm. like that. At least last yeah. time I was there, that's Who what it the was. the fuck still does that? I don't know if anybody still does it. I used to do it in college a lot. Do you though. know what I can't do with a physical DVD? Just buy something. <laughs> Unless there's those rare ones that just aren't on iTunes, maybe you'll find them on DVD. I don't know. I don't own mm-hmm. a DVD player. I don't like... 
<laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'd have to buy like nine things to watch a movie if it was just on DVD. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. Times are different. Once again, we weren't really long. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So I'm out. 